Hello everyone and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the exotic Halloween party capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? I'm a little sleepy. I've been inflating dead cats all night. <laughs> And coming to you from the flesh-bound eyeball book of horrors of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is my other co-host, John. John, what's happening? I'm resurrecting an ex that I murdered for sleeping with my sister. <laughs> uh, but before we get started, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. So all of that was because we watched the 90s Halloween classic Hocus Pocus. And John, how would you tell someone you watched Hocus Pocus without using the title? Double, double, toil and trouble. Doc's a virgin. Cringe, unsubtle. <laughs> and Jules of the Producers had asked you to come up with a different title for Hocus Pocus. What would it be? Hex and the Kitty. Nice. Nick looks confused, but I love it. That's great. <laughs> I'm very confused. Hex and the Kitty. What is this? What? Sarah Jessica Parker? Sex oh, and the... duh. Okay, wow. <laughs> and the rest of the classes joined us today. Audience member, I, I'm very tired today, so my brain will not be operating at full capacity, which is why I'm not going to get obvious jokes like that, because I'm tired. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, guys, what's, uh, what's your experience with Hocus Pocus? I came to it late. There was a, another family, you know, old family friends that we'd visit every once in a while, and their kids loved it. So they didn't know what the word virgin meant and just knew it was an insult. So they loved just calling someone a stupid virgin. <laughs> and I was just old enough to know what it meant and be like, hey, we, we, we don't, we're not explaining this, right? <laughs> and I mean, that was about it. I enjoyed it. About all I could say, and I still did. I had a lot of fun watching it now. Stupid virgin. <laughs> Is it because of my row of figurine statues up on the shelf over there? Is that it? If you weren't a virgin before, you certainly are now. I am, I am not literally a 40-year-old virgin. Thanks. <laughs> Jules, how about you? Well, I saw this as a kid, and I can only remember two moments. The witches singing Nina Simone. And the cat inflating itself back to life. Um, and, you know, I, I thought they were important life messages that Nina Simone is very underrated and cats are immortal and they need to be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Y cats, cats, you can come live with me. All right. And have them berate you for being a virgin. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know how this movie got past me. This came out in 1993. I was still living in the States. You would think I would know this movie. It came out the same time as Free Willy. I don't know whether it's just like my parents didn't buy the tape for me, but I went off to South Africa. It is not a thing over there. Halloween was not a thing. So I came back to the States and my intro to this movie was just psycho millennial Disney adults just fawning over it like it was fucking, <laughs> I don't know, Apocalypse Now, just a classic movie that you have to watch. That is such a weird comparison. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Again, brain not working today. Remember, brain, brain not working. 
something like Blade Runner, just like a classic, indisputable classic movie. And they were just so fucking annoying about it that when I eventually did date a Disney adult, <laughs> she's, you know, you get the whole, oh my God, you haven't You've seen never Hocus. seen Hocus. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, no, I, I haven't seen Hocus Pocus. I was like, well, it's Halloween. We're going to watch Hocus. And so I'm like, all right, we will watch Hocus Pocus. And I literally fell asleep. I just passed out. I don't blame you. It is so unremarkable. And so she was like, you fell asleep. I'm like, yeah, because it was fucking boring. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, no, we got to watch it. And then, you know, at some like a little time later, watch it again. Watch the whole thing. Like, ugh, it's fine. Yeah. But when you were likening it to classic movies, what popped in my mind was it's a wonderful life. Because similarly, this didn't do well in the theaters. It was actually a summer release. Yeah, it came out the same time as Free Willy. But Disney would show it all the time around Halloween, so it was on TV all the time. So, of course, you would see it a lot. And that's kind of what happened with It's a Wonderful Life, a really boring movie that's not that good, but it tanked so bad that no one bothered to maintain the copyright. And so it's basically public domain and TV stations could air it all they wanted without having to shell out anything. And that's why it's become a classic that everyone fucking talks about. It's the effect of you see something enough and it becomes beautiful. That's what happens. I watched it now for, for this and it's fine. Yeah. It's a fine movie. It's not particularly exciting. The song's great, but to be obsessed with this movie, you have to have nostalgia for it. It doesn't sound like any of us do. No. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't call it bad. I'd just call it bland, really. Thank you. Yeah. Except for two performances, and I love these guys, and I can't tell whether or not they're bad on purpose, and that's why it's so fascinating. Are you talking about the bullies? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, we will get into that. There, there is one one line in this movie that made me chuckle really loud that I kind of wish the tone had kept with, where Winnie says, you know, I've always wanted children on toast. And when we, I kind of wish that had been the maintains tone throughout the entire movie. That would have elevated it to a sort of cult status for me. It's just so ludicrously campy over the top, but it doesn't quite reach that level on a lot of occasions. Bette Midler was great in this, but I feel like it almost felt restrained. Yeah. Like there was something with the director, Kenny Ortega. Exactly. It's like there were three different tones. You have the witches. You have the bullies, and you have everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, clashing tones that don't necessarily always mesh together. The bullies acting is, it's sort of out of a little film you tried to make in high school. The witches are a Three Stooges act without the violence. Well, there's there's some toned down violence. But not like outright slapstick. Right. I mean, um... The third witch. I can never pronounce her name properly. The character's name is Mary. Her it's, it's Kathy Najimi. Najimi. Okay. She's straight up pulling a curly most of the movie with her expressions and the the they took like the and turned it into like a whole character trait. She's like their bloodhound as well. Weird. I don't know. I mean, my issue with the slapstick is that whenever they hit Sarah Jessica Parker, she acts like she's in genuine pain, and so I don't laugh. I laugh because it's just a tonal shift from everything else she does in the movie. She's so just like up and flighty. And then just this like, ow, fuck. You know? Winnie, that hurt. Tell mom. Seriously. <laughs> God. I, I just want to find out that Bette Midler was actually hitting her. <laughs> that was just a genuine reaction is Bette Midler was just punching Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> <laughs> but this was 
I believe this is like the movie that blew up Sarah Jessica Parker right before Hex and the Kitty. Hex and the Kitty. (laughs) I had no knowledge of who she was. I didn't recognize the name from this. Again, I'd only seen it at some friend's house a couple times. So when she got like super popular, I'm like, okay, but who, who is that? Like I had no <laughs> frame of reference for previous work before that. And I've never even seen that show. I don't think we're in the target demo. <laughs> I've seen a few episodes. It's fine. Also, the the main dude who plays Max, his name's Omri in real life. So I was just like, Omri Katz. I'm like, oh, Indian of the Cupboard flashbacks. He is way better than that Omri, though. But barely. No, he is significantly better than that child actor. But he's <laughs> like on the same level as the Airbud kid. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He does get outacted by his little sister. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. There's not annoying child actors in this unless you count the bullies. <laughs> but they're supposed to be annoying. That's the thing. But yeah, they, they filmed this actually in Massachusetts, in the exter- exterior shots in Massachusetts and Salem and surrounding areas. But of course, most of it filmed on sound stages in Burbank, California, because that's where the Disney studios are. They're apparently filming the sequel in Providence, Rhode Island. Providence and a couple other towns. New England is as New England does. It's right there and it's tiny. So yeah, I mean, our county, L.A. County is like three Rhode Islands or more. My county swallows yours. San Bernardino is, I think, the or maybe second largest in the entire country. Damn. Yeah. Enough. Enough county measuring contest. <laughs> okay, but do you measure from the base of the river or from like the shit? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've 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 talked about everything but the movie long enough. Again, none of us have any nostalgia for this, so we're gonna take a break and try and get our focus back. And when we do, <laughs> we're gonna start breaking down. Hocus pocus, focus, <laughs> focus, focus. Man, I'm really glad I went on this solo hiking trip. Clean air, the sounds of nature, and best of all, no John or Nick to bug me about thematic shenanigans related to our podcast. Now, just to round this corner to the campsite, and god damn it! Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and white claw bubble. Aha! I just, I don't even understand it. How did you even find me this time? (laughs) So we surgically implanted air tags into you while you were sleeping. We've kind of been following your every move for a few months now. What? Ew. Where? Where would you implant them? I'd say, honestly, dude, can't remember, but probably somewhere between the base of your spine and your ears, like that general area. Why do I even... And what the hell are you doing dressed in witch drag and stirring a boiling cauldron? Hey, oh, 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 no need to get drag phobic up in here, all right, man? Yeah, Jules, it's 2022. Look, if you say stuff against drag queens these days, RuPaul's legally allowed to hunt you for sport. I didn't say there was anything wrong with it. It's just not something I've seen you do, ever. You know, we watched Hocus Pocus and we got this great idea. Nick and I, we're going to look young and beautiful forever. Well, that ship sailed a long time ago. Rude. We found a witch's potion recipe that's going to allow us to suck the youth out of someone and live forever. And since you are the youngest in the group, uh, we decided that you're going to be our victim. I'm literally several months older than you. Well, you got the youthful optimism going, though. 
you know, well, I mean, more than either of us, at least. Yeah, John and I are pretty dead inside. All right, Nick, you ready to bite the tip of our tongues off into this potion and force feed it to Jules? Hell yeah. Oh, it's so much more painful than in the movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, this is normally the point where I walk away or kick you two out of my house, but I'm just going to casually put up my tent and watch you two scream in agony from your own stupidity. Best vacation ever. <laughs> You're a bad friend. <laughs> And we're back, and we're going to get that sweet, sweet classic 90s Disney intro that's just like the blue screen like, and the castle appearing in a light wipe. Oh my god, it lasts less than 10 seconds and it's gone and out of the way. It's amazing. I love old movie logos. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Then we get the Disney opening storybook, which I feel kind of comes off strange because the book doesn't open and an ogre doesn't wipe its ass with it. Yeah, I was missing that. That felt... It felt out of place without an ogre wiping its ass. But also, it doesn't pay off later. You know, in Shrek, they have the book open, and then at the end of the movie, like, it closes. Like, it, right. it literally bookends itself. Here, you just see the book, and then, fuck it, we're done with it. <laughs> the book opens into the movie. No, the book doesn't actually open. No, not like it opens and you see a page and there's a picture. It opens literally to the footage of the movie. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we, it opens to a witch shadow on a broom flying through swamps and colonial America. And we meet one of the main characters. His name is Thackeray. And good Lord, this name. It's so weird. It's like, was it? I, I, I didn't do any research as to whether or not this was an actual name. But I'm just like, this just sounds like one of the whitest names like Riley. I had a teacher that was a Thackeray, but that was his last name. So, I yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, he wakes up uh, just as Sarah Jessica Parker, her character's name is Sarah, which is convenient, uh, lands on her broom right near his house, and he notices that his sister Emily isn't in her bed. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but we're like in the 1690s here, roughly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They did have shoes in the 1690s, right? I'm sure like I'm, it's a much more primitive society than we have today, but th they did have shoes. We've seen the buckles, yes. Okay. Maybe they're not pilgrims. They definitely pilgrims. Yeah, Quakers, you had Puritans, you know, covering one's feet is an affront to God and the suffering he afflicts upon your souls. <laughs> it's Salem, right? So it's... So it is the Puritans. It is the Puritans. That doesn't mean they dress like... Uh, I almost said Halloween. <laughs> doesn't mean they dress like Thanksgiving decorations, though. I mean, who the fuck has buckles on a hat? <laughs> I think they did have buckles on their hat. Puritans, that's the answer. That's what I was looking for. Come on. Uh, and I'm yelling at Jules because we've already established that you're, you're not functional today. Okay, so. good. Good. No, thank you for not yelling at the brain dead guy. I really was, Jules. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So anyways, Thackeray, God, that name. If it helps, his last name is Binks, and my mom literally refers to this cat as Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> so we could just call him Jar Jar for the whole review. <laughs> we could call him Jar Jar. Uh, but he goes out barefoot, uh, trying to look find his sister, asks a friend, like, hey, have you seen my sister? No, I have not seen thy sister. Like, because they use, like, that old-timey English. <gasps> oh, oh, no, no, I've got it. 
He was in bed, so it makes sense that he wouldn't be wearing shoes. He's got manners and proper indoor etiquette. And then his sister's missing, so there's no time! By the way, everything is a heavy shade of blue, so we know that it's the middle of the night. Okay, I was about to ask you about the timing, because it's fucking crazy in this whole sequence. Except not the middle of the night, because there's an actual night shot in like a minute and a half. Like one of the witches refers to it as a ter- like a you know a beautiful morning, and how terrible that is. So like, what time is it? So, anyways, Thackmeister and his friend they see um, pink smoke rising from the woods. Isn't it purple? Sure, I don't care. <laughs> but anyways, he sees his sister following Sarah into the woods and stranger danger. God, do the Puritans not teach their kids about stranger danger? Damn. Uh, hexes and charms. Anything. But yeah, she just... Wa- no, I'm saying the kid is being... Oh, 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 charmed, yeah. So Thackeray goes after her, tells her friend, tells his friend rather to call the elders and his father. So the Thack man runs through the woods, tumbles down a hill and sees Emily being led into a very sketchy looking house. Which is actually a lot nicer than I thought it would be. Yeah, for like a bunch of three spinster hags living in the woods. At the end of the 17th century? Yeah, they've got like a water mill running something on the side. It's It's a pretty functional house. So yeah, he looks through the window. He sees the witches surrounding his sister. I think Emily's stupefied just sitting in this chair. And we also see that the witches are, they're kind of old, looking kind of bad. Yeah, the witches have clearly been to the finest dentists England has to offer. <laughs> Let's not pretend England has dentists. <laughs> if you do look closely, there is actually uh, three people hidden off camera vaping in the cauldron. This is true. <laughs> Yeah, so he makes a noise. Two of the witches go out to investigate, but it's it's nothing. It was an imp. And so they start to make their potion. He was peeping through the window, like holding it open, and said his sister's name. And they turn to look, and the cut shows him closing the window and ducking away. So they're idiots. They are. This is not the only time where some teenage boy should have been caught by these sisters very easily in <laughs> no, this movie. That no, is that not. is a running theme. They're confounded by clothing at one point. They think they're dying from water at one point. It's yeah, they're they're not the brightest. No, no, they're not. And the leader of the witches is called Winnie. Yes, for Winifred. Yeah, which has to be the most unthreatening name you could possibly give a character. I mean, anyone who shares a name with the poo is going to be unthreatening to me. (laughs) So this book that she summons, her spellbook, it's a freaky fucking thing. Like, this is Necronomicon levels of creepy. Oh, even worse because of the functional eye. That is true. That is very true. Functional eyeball can float when summoned. You can hear that Nick just threw up in his mouth a little. Oh, my soul threw up in its mouth. <laughs> well, Nietzsche said that if you stare in the abyss, the abyss stares back into you. In this case, you read the book and the book is watching you. Oh, very definitely. But I feel like through most of this movie, the book is just trying to take a nap and everyone keeps bugging it. <laughs> you mostly see what this does. like, oh, God, man, I was having a great dream. What the fuck? Why are you opening me? But yeah, these witches do have the book that was made by the Jeepers Creepers demon. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. They're looking at the recipe to make the potion where they can suck the life out of a kid. And it's got goofy ingredients. Uh, boil of oil, whatever the fuck that is. They need a dead man's toe. And she's like, make it a fresh one. 
I, I think Sarah has like some sort of ADD because she hears Dead Man's Toe and she immediately bursts into impromptu singing a Dead Man's Toe, Dead Man's Toe, and starts like frolicking around. And this will be one of many times she has these little mini obsessions. Yep. By the way, did you guys get the same vibe as me that these three witches in this scene was remarkably similar to our brainstorming meetings? <laughs> Elaborate, please. <laughs> If you guys would pay attention, I wouldn't have to hit you so much. Just say it. One example. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just going to sexually move in different directions. I mean, that's just you, regardless of whether or not we're having a meeting. Mister, I'm wearing a tank top right now. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this whole thing ends with a dead man's toe fight. <laughs> Again, like our brainstorming meetings. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary, uh, played by Kathy and Jimmy, she smells children. That's her superpower. She has the power of child smelling. She's partial canine. She's literally told, sick em. <laughs> It is really all she does throughout this entire movie is smell children. Absolutely no other purpose for her. <laughs> But she's also the sniveling sister. She's like, yes, Winnie, I'm coming, Winnie. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Winnie. Yeah, she's the curly of the group. She is the curly of the group. But when she tells Winnie that she smells a child, Winnie's like, yeah, no shit. We have a kid right in that chair there. Of course you're smelling children. What the fuck are you wasting my time with? Because there's three witches. I tried to be like, okay, so which one of us is which? No, we're all Winnie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we kind of are, actually. So... Part of the potion is they have to bite off the tip of their tongues and spit it in the potion, which sounds horribly painful, and they do it oh so casually. And so they're about to force feed this concoction to Emily, but Thackeray yells out, and then he has this ring around the cauldron thing with with Mary. Mary and Sarah, there's two of you. Go separate directions. Yeah, but that would make sense. And again, Sarah's psychotic. She's out of her fucking mind. Like, rationality is her opposite. (laughs) Why does he announce his intention to attack before just running in and grabbing his sister and escaping? Well, that's just sportsmanship. Yeah, he has a code of honor, clearly. I never understand why characters announce their intent to attack. Kind of made fun of it in Nighttime at the Museum too. Where it was just... Nighttime <laughs> at the Museum? Is this the Asylum knockoff? <laughs> no, uh, Night at the Museum too, where basically General Custer is, his entire plan involves yelling that they're going to attack before they attack. And everyone tells him how bad a plan that is. I kind of feel like movies need to learn this in general. Agreed. Best bank robber in the world is sneaking past guards. Just going, sneaking past the guards. Sneaking past the guards. So here's the thing, though. Thackeray shoves the cauldron into Sarah and Mary, knocks them over, and then proceeds to empty the cauldron in the direction that they fell. And somehow they get neither wet nor scalded from the boiling brew inside the cauldron. This is not the only time that the magical disappearing potion is a thing. Well, it's vape. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes to get his sister from the chair, but... Winnie uses force lightning on him? Yes! I have the Bette Midler just palpatined that kid. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought of a shitty pun and wrote palpa green, because it goes with their color scheme. Uh, I I said it was bad, because all puns are. (laughs) No, they're not. Fuck out of here. Make a good one. 
by the time this episode ends, give me a good one. I will do my best. Um, so this force lightninging of Thackeray, it's fun because she like zaps him once, he spins, zaps him again, and then she just kind of does a little poop and <laughs> knocks him over. It's great. I don't understand why she doesn't do this like all the time. That is a great question, Jules, and the movie will not answer it. <laughs> There's no signs of this draining her or taking a toll or even getting a little sleepy. Exactly. It's like, if, if you could zap lightning, why are you just not doing that constantly? <laughs> just for funsies. Yeah, I'd just spin around the front yard. <laughs> Fuck your neighbors, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, so with Thackeray knocked out, the three sisters proceed to suck the cotton candy out of Emily, and this kills her. Appropriate ways of dealing with children. (laughs) But I did enjoy uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's line, I am beautiful, boys will love me. She kind of sums up the complexity of a Sex and the City character. Yeah, the child cotton candy uh, makes them younger again. So Thackeray manages to get up, but I guess he can't move his legs, and that's why he doesn't leave. They, instead of killing him outright, turn him into a cat and make him immortal so he can live with the guilt of his sister dying. And remember, they make him immortal. Not immortal as long as the witches are alive. Yes, that is a very important thing to point out, Jules. I missed that aspect. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, the way this movie resolves itself is in no way planted at this moment. They conveniently left that out, or they just forgot, or I don't know, maybe they were sleepy as well that day, but um, whatever their reasoning is, the townsfolk descend upon them with torches, and it's pitch black out now, and as we were mentioning earlier... Winnie complains about it being a beautiful morning. Mm -hmm. And so there's no way that between Thackeray waking up and this moment, an entire day has passed. There's just no way. This movie forgets how to time. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't see it either. I was going to say like time jump for brewing the potion, but then the rest of the movie happens. So I don't know. And then he's like, oh, no, we're just three spinsters having a quiet evening at home. But that doesn't work. They end up with nooses around their necks. Nice for uh, fiction writers to consider the uh, witch trials to um, be somewhat justified because there are witches. Well, yeah. Why else are you having witch trials if there's not literal witches? There is literally no other reason. Exactly. Spectral evidence is the most reliable evidence. Duh. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you got better after she turned you into a newt. (laughs) Not as much of a curse as people think it is. So despite, again, as you pointed out, Jules, Winnie having force lightning powers, (laughs) they all end up with fucking nooses around their necks. Right? A movie needs to happen, so they're getting executed. But before they get hung, Thackeray's dad asks where his son is, but Winnie can't tell them because Cat's got her tongue, guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a cat now. It's so funny. And you, you will note as well that the cat does try to interact with him, but the cat can't speak. Great fucking point. I did not realize. <laughs> so many fucking plot holes. I'm going to say that as this was a human who has been transformed into a cat, he had to relearn. And God damn it, he had three centuries. Entirely possible. Mm. So they start singing in the gallows, and that's to like try and put a spell on everyone, but everyone covers their ears. Except the only one who really looks disturbed with his ears covered is the guy who was holding the book. I mean, have you seen that book? Who the fuck would hold that book? <laughs> so gross. Oh, it's yeah, so no, gross. no, I'm, I'm on your side there, but cover your ears, don't listen to her, and everyone just, just kind of like, um... 
we're going to stand here and look kind of afraidish. Yeah. I feel like they missed an opportunity. They should have had this book as the book that opened at the very beginning. You're correct, because we do end on it. Yeah. The movie's book ended. And you just delivered the pun. (laughs) Right. But it was terrible. I could see on your faces you both died a little. Well, I'm dying a little because I made that exact same comment like 20 minutes ago. You just missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, puns suck. So, yeah. Puns are amazing. So the book drops onto a spell, and Winnie, using the spell, says that they'll be back when a virgin summons them on All Hallows' Eve. Then they're hanged. Thackeray gets treated by his father very similarly to how I got treated by my father. It's great. You're a foul beast? I mean, I might as well have been. So now we're in a present day classroom where a teacher is telling her class the story of what we just saw. Nice to know American education was always terrible. (laughs) Yep, this is apparently history class. (laughs) She is not teaching history. She is teaching some stupid, demented urban legend. Very theatrical. And by the way, part of the legend is that Thackeray Cat guards the Sanderson house so that nobody resurrects the sisters. He is virgin repellent. But here's the weird question. If Thackeray is guarding the house as he is, how is this an urban legend? Because it's not plausible. Why is there not evidence throughout the centuries of a talking cat that guards this place on Halloween. Because you know kids are going to be like, oh, ha, 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 stupid urban legend. They're going to go and play and try it. But as we'll see later, Thackeray Cat just doesn't generally talk to people. Like, he just is such a loner. And there's no reason for that, by the way. Like, he should just... I can respect that. Okay, fine. John can respect that. But <laughs> he would just be keeping out of the way and as we see when he attacks as a cat makes cat noises he's not talking so when he attacks somebody they probably just think there's a crazy cat around not you know a talking cat let's see transformed colonial kid who tried to save his sister from a group of witches so yeah the teacher is telling this story and just to kind of like punctuate it she assaults a student with a roll of black tissue paper Right? Just chucks it, like, really hard. I was like, okay, lady, that's... Nice to know that she's the protagonist of this movie, and I root for her already. <laughs> well, no, because we're going to meet our actual protagonist, Max, and you know, he's he's a little different because he's wearing a tie-dye shirt because he's from California, you mm-hmm. see, and he doesn't believe in any of this, you know, witches bullshit. Yes, child from California is not into new agey. <laughs> Woo-woo thinking. Got it. Exactly. Instead, he believes in stupid conspiracy theories. Yeah, I think they got their coasts switched. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) But I feel like it's also an accurate representation of California because we believe in stupid woo-woo bullshit as well as some crazy fucking conspiracies out here. California is not a rational state. Like, let's let's be honest here. Your part may not be. Definitely not Los Angeles. Los Angeles, which is where he's from, specifically in the movie, we believe in crystals. We believe that sage will get rid of evil spirits. Scientology's out here. Like, we have got some crazy fucking bullshit. But paying attention to this scene, he comes across as far too confident and needing to be put in his place because the girl actually clarifies 
you know, the origins of Halloween right after he goes through his conspiracy theory bullshit. And then he stands up in the middle of class and asks her out. This is so fucking weird. It's so awkward and weird. And then the bell rings and it's just sort of over. And they sort of clarify him as this overly confident teenager. But then in the subsequent scene, he asks her out and reintroduces himself as though he's shy without any transition in between. Nope. The movie doesn't know what kind of a protagonist they're doing. But also very confident in that subsequent scene because he's like, oh, sorry to embarrass you in class. And she's like, yeah, you didn't. (laughs) But another crazy part of the scene of the classroom, when she schools him on the origins of Halloween, the rest of the class cheers. This entire town is emotionally invested. (laughs) This is a Reddit story about how the new kid tried to be cool and the locals shot him down and everyone clapped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so, you know, he catches up with her later on his bike, mentions that he's only been in town for a week, so we're kind of getting a context of how new he is. And she's like, I have class with you, no shit. You might have made that up in your head. Oh, yeah. She doesn't actually say it, but it's more of just the, yeah, I know you're new in town. We have class together, motherfucker. (laughs) Also, I've lived in this town probably my whole life and have a general sense of who is and is not from here. Probably know everyone. Exactly. So he says like he's not really into this whole Halloween thing, which I feel like is not a thing a teenager says. Or a thing anyone from Hollywood says. Exactly. It's the one holiday that Hollywood loves to pieces. They treat it almost bigger than Christmas. Also, he really doesn't believe in the Sanderson sister crap. And then she's like, trick or treat, gives him a piece of paper and walks away. And you're like, oh, shit, she gave him her number back. But nope, it was trick, not a treat. Gives him his own number back. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Which is such a fucking awesome move on her part. Mad respect for Allison. Although, Allison, this actress, guess what she did later in her career? Mm Mm-hmm. So, audience, you may not know this, but our least favorite movie that we've watched together as a as a threesome is 40 Days and 40 Nights. We haven't reviewed it yet, and we probably never will because we will literally explode from how angry we would get because of how fucking hateful that movie is. And this actress who played Allison plays Josh Hartnett's ex-girlfriend who rapes him at the end of the movie. Oh, no shit. No shit. That's where, where, yeah, yeah, I recognized her. I couldn't quite place it. I couldn't quite place it because she's just kind of a blend between Hilary Swank and Claire Danes. (laughs) That is a very apt description of her physical appearance, yes. So anyways, uh, we were speaking about the bullies. We're going to meet them now because Max is riding his bike home in like the most 90s outfit ever. Does anyone else also find it a little disturbing that he's casually cycling through a graveyard? I did notice that. I was like, this is a very odd shortcut. Nope. It's an excellent shortcut. Almost no one's ever around. The ground is nicely maintained. It's usually a gated kind of structure because they don't want people wrecking up the graveyards. Well, apparently they have two graveyards in this town. There's this one, which is an actual graveyard. And then you have the Burbank set graveyard, which is your Halloween movie graveyard where everything's like dirt and rocky and spooky. And, it, and that one is gated off. 
And then we meet Rocksteady and Bebop. Or no, we meet Jay and <laughs> Ernie. But no, don't call him Ernie. He wants to be called Ice. Jay. He wants to be called Ice. Oh my god! And he's god. got ice like shaved into the back of his head. Shaved ice. Uh, <laughs> you weren't even trying with that one. <gasps> you do understand that that was a pun, right? And that though? was fucking fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, what? No, that still wasn't. <laughs> if puns suck so much, why do you keep making good ones, John? Checkmate. Because I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, why the fuck ice? Is this supposed to be like a vanilla ice knockoff thing? Because he was popular kind of around here a couple of years before, but he's definitely trying to be a white gangsta. Yeah, he, he is the most vanilla of ices, this, this kid. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> yeah. And then Jay looks more Californian than Max does. Seriously. Right? I thought this was a California boy. <laughs> Yeah, he's got long blonde hair. He kind of talks like this. Well, he's talking like that because you're Hollywood, man. Like radical. I mean, this is every guy who goes to a Red Hot Chili's. (laughs) Mm, Baby back ribs. (laughs) (laughs) This is every guy who goes to a Red Hot Chili Pepper concert. Yeah, that is a great descriptor. So they're like, hey, got any smokes, but he doesn't smoke. And this is where, as you were pointing out earlier, John, their reactions and acting, their choices are fucking crazy. They're so weird. Because Ice is like, yeah, they're very health conscious out in L.A. He's like, this warrants belly laughter and a fucking chest bump between these guys. Like, what the fuck is this? But even just like the way they say shit, like. They're so health conscious. It's it's weird. It's so awkward. It's like it's the first time they tried saying these lines without looking at the page. <laughs> this movie was written by 70-year-old men. That's the only way this makes sense. So, yeah, so he doesn't have any smokes. Uh, he doesn't have any cash either. So with no cash and no grass, he's probably going to have to give up some ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, while they were on their way to check out that ass, they get distracted by... Whoa. Nice cross trainers, Hollywood. <laughs> Tubular. Uh, Who the fuck says cross trainer? Again, this movie was written by 70 year olds. <laughs> it's the only way any of this shit makes sense. Oh my God. It's so bad, and I am absolutely here for it. I want what they were doing the whole movie. <laughs> I want to see how they interact with their teacher in class. <laughs> how they react, talk to their parents who are definitely not neglecting them. I get the feeling that they're the kids that actually had like really great and stable home lives and then they're trying to act badass outside of that. Just because they're bored. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So they take his sneakers, Um. so he has to ride home in socks. He gets home, and again, I don't know what time dimension this movie lives in, but, like, there's already trick-or-treaters out. (laughs) Like, school gets out at 3 p.m. I'm going to be generous. He got held up. He probably got home at 4, right? Maximum. Maximum he got home at 4 p.m. There are dozens of trick-or-treating kids. What the fuck is this? He goes inside, storms past his parents. He's like, ah, how was your day, hon? Ah, fucking sucked. Language, young man. This whole stupid whiny teenager bit with the, you know, stay out of my room. And do you think this was the fault of Luke Skywalker? No. Suddenly they thought teenagers who are whiny are good protagonists. 
because it's it's just really irks the shit out of me in this movie. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that was a thing before Luke Skywalker. That wasn't such as um any teenage protagonist. <laughs> I mean, I know that Star Wars is your perspective on when originality died. Like, that was the cutoff, <laughs> and everything after that is copying it. That's the rule, John. I don't know why you're confused by this. <laughs> I think from the adult perspective, any teenager is just inherently whiny. This was like clearly a staple of 90s live-action Disney movie protagonists, because, I mean, everybody was the same way. Like, whiny little teenager because he had to move to a town he doesn't like. It, there's a lot of crossover. So he goes to his room, and then he starts doing foreplay on his pillow and projecting Allison onto it. Oh, he's about to jack off. With the pillow, right? He's about to fuck this pillow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> okay, good. We're all in agreement. While Pinhead's watching. <laughs> Did you guys notice that? When, when he walks in his room that has stairs for some reason? <laughs> yeah, there's like a little loft second floor section in his bedroom because New England, I guess. I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, there was like a, a skateboard leaned up. The bottom of the deck was Pinhead from Hellraiser. I mean, don't king shame him. I mean, if he likes to have Pinhead watch, <laughs> you know, just 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 let him have that. All right, God, he he just had to move away from his his hometown. But there's something in his closet. What could it be? It's his sister. She bursts out of the closet in a witch outfit and scares the shit out of him. Lies on the bed, proceeds to make fun of him. Like, oh, Alice, kiss me. I'm Alice. Quick question. How old do we think this child is? Uh, I believe the movie puts it around eight, eight and a half. And she is weirdly knowledgeable and mocking of her brother for being a virgin throughout the entire film. I do believe that she is an old soul. <laughs> Danny, she's a little wise beyond her years. Very old soul. Goddamn. By the way, this sister will play Kevin Spacey's daughter in American Beauty. Yes, she does. Damn. That was fucking weird. You know, I got a Baywatch search, so I was looking at the main <laughs> And I came across, I was like, get the fuck out of here, American Beauty. And um, Omri, he was on a, a show that I liked, and so it made sense why he was familiar. It was a couple of years before this called Erie, Indiana, and so it was spooky little small town tales. I mean, the weirdest cameo comes later with uh, with a couple. Yeah, yeah, nice little nice cameos there. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but I am very curious to find out. When oh we wow! Get there. Satan and Medusa is what he's talking about. <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay. So as she's mocking him, my note here is I immediately like Danny more than Max. <laughs> I still hated her in this scene again because just annoying little sibling, but I quickly realized that this was good acting. It was very good acting, but also like I have zero sympathy for Max because he's just kind of a whiny little bitch for a long time. Exactly. He mostly sucks. Yeah. He, he does mostly suck. She tells him that he's going to take her trick-or-treating because their parents are going to a party at the town hall, but Max is being a huffy little bitch. Oh, yeah, this is where he's like, you're eight years old, take yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's how trick-or-treating works. Uh, you don't just let eight-year-olds walk around. Well, we will see plenty of unaccompanied eight-year-olds walking around. Well, it makes sense, because he was trying to abandon kids, and then he could literally abandon kids. Right <laughs> oh, nice one. <laughs> abandon them directly into his pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he cuts a hole in it? <laughs> it's my child abandonment pillow. <laughs> oh, new from the Millennial Rewind store. The child abandonment pillow. <laughs> 
It's the only way I can feel safe and comfortable to go to sleep, which is why I take it on airplanes with me. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about this pillow fucking a little too long. Uh, but yeah, so he's playing his drums to try to like, drown her out and get her to leave. I, then she's like, tries to ask him, it's like, come on, you know, think of all the fun we had when we were younger, trick-or-treating together. And he's like, yeah. And so she goes to her last resort and she screams for her mother. <laughs> so that ends that argument. I love that she told him to knock off the whole being a cool teenager. And I went, yeah, but he's not. No, I mean, you got the teenager part right. A cool teenager is an oxymoron. And so is this kid. <laughs> that is true. There are no cool teenagers. Sorry, teenagers, you're lame. Yeah. And every teenager of every generation has been lame. It's not just you. We're not shitting on you for your generation. We are all lame as teenagers. Yeah, so Max and Danny are getting ready to go out. And obviously Max is not in a costume because he's a dick. He's a dick. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, and he's in the outfit, essentially in the same outfit he rode home in. So uh, changing clothes and taking a shower, not in his repertoire. Is he still shoeless? <laughs> no, I think he got himself a new pair of shoes. But the only thing he's added to the outfit is like a set of really cheap aviator knockoffs. Yes, to go trick-or-treating at night. It's the thing. It, they keep layering on the levels of douchebaggery in this kid. It, it's tough. Seriously. Douche confirmed. He hasn't done anything likable yet. It's three hours earlier in LA, which is where I want to be, so I'm going to wear my sunglasses. Uh. Oh, God, I just want to go home. Fuck off. <laughs> okay, so here, there's further evidence that this movie was written by 70-year-olds. The dad asks, you know, hey, what are you supposed to be? And he says, a rap singer <laughs> a rap singer not a rapper not a rap star not like any of the actual words the culture uses not a rapist not a ra <laughs> you're right the layers of i hate this kid keeps getting just built up we've got a mountain at this point or a multi-layered cake this is a this is a bamkuchen level of douchebaggery in this teenager i really want to know what those look like baum Baumkuchen. Tree? Tree cakes? Wow. Baumkuchen, there it is. That looks fucking delicious. I don't think we can attribute this guy to cake, because cake is awesome. True, true. Cake is amazing. Oh, it, god damn it. He's like an onion. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you besmirch the good name of ogres? He has lace. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> Just solidly unpleasant through and through. He's more like a turnip. <laughs> <laughs> Max the turnip. Well, anyway, Danny and the turnip are out trick-or-treating. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is a children's book if I ever heard one. <laughs> Danny and the turnip are going trick-or-treating. <laughs> and, you know, whiny little turnip is being a mopey bitch. <laughs> Oh, God. Official name for the rest of the episode. <laughs> it's the turnip. It's the turnip. <laughs> and so as they're leaving one house, uh, Jay Ice and a bunch of other 90s troublemakers are harassing kids and smashing pumpkins. Oh, oh, by the way. Sorry. Speaking of a gang and the fact that um, Jeff wears a bunch of leather. Or sorry. Sorry, Jay. Jay is the biker gang leader from Batman and Robin. Oh my Fuck god. Out of here. That's amazing. That makes me so happy. So Max very rationally is like, okay, Danny, we're we're just gonna avoid them or we're gonna go, we're gonna go this way. But no, 
Danny's got to walk right through them because you don't tell Danny where to go. Hell no, you don't. So she tries to walk past them, but Ice tells her that she needs to pay the toll and then only chocolate, none of that other frou-frou candy crap. Basically tells them to fuck off because my big brother's here. <laughs> and that doesn't mean shit because they can steal his shoes whenever they want. Here's the thing. I think Danny could have taken them. She's got the confidence and the bravado. Honestly, yes, I am thoroughly in agreement there. I mean, she will later beat the shit out of Winnie with her candy. She absolutely could beat these punks up with her candy. But God, just the beautifully horrible acting (laughs) continues from Jay and Ice. They ask him if he's trick-or-treating and do a pantomime of trick-or-treating. And then they have a posse that just cackles over their every word. What the fuck? But it's like over things that are not even funny. In a fucking entourage, I want a cackle posse. Everywhere (laughs) I go, I just want cackling at whatever I say. Cackle posse. That is a great phrase to say. (laughs) It is very satisfying. It is. And I've come to hate the word satisfying, but it's apt here. But yeah, they pantomimed this and what was the other? Oh, yeah, because they're making fun of his non-costume. And then Danny tries to make it seem like he's hot shit by saying he's a little leaguer. Which makes them do, like, acting class 101 pantomime of playing baseball while Cackle Posse does their job? I don't get it, but I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I think happened. They're in a Disney movie. They can't do actual, like, teenage delinquent stuff because that involves way too much swearing and, you know, hate crimes. (laughs) So this is the best the 92-year-olds who wrote this movie could think of in terms of shit talk. So I'm going to make fun of you with amateur improv performance? And the director's like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this. Just like (laughs) gave him the best direction he could given the absolute lack of material to work with. And these poor actors did their goddamn best. They committed. They committed to this bullshit and I commend him for it. So eventually Danny talks shit to Ice and Ice is about to beat a child before Max gets in the way. (laughs) And he kind of diffuses the situation by giving the, you know, the big bag you take trick or treating that you put the plastic pumpkin stuff to like the main bag. He just gives it to Ice and he's like, we're out of here. And then the final smack talk as they walk away. I was like, hey, Hollywood, the shoes fit great. (laughs) (laughs) That's what a cackle posse sounds like. Yep. Cackle posse activates. John, I have an important question to ask you. Will you be in my cackle posse? (laughs) 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 This is what laughing sounds like. I am genuine human person, much like yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the cackle posse is absolutely a band name. So, yeah, as they continue walking, Danny just decides to go full toxic masculine. And she's like, you should have punched him. Uh, This got me so mad. Expecting men to be aggressive and get into fights is great for society. Way to go. Yeah, I liked Danny a little less at this moment. Mm. Danny is just a pint-sized Viking berserker. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when the brother literally responds with that they would kill him, yeah, you'd have gone out like a man. 
Valhalla awaits, big brother. <laughs> Another. <laughs> Another. <laughs> At the very least, the movie doesn't end up in a scenario where physical violence is the answer. So there's that. Except for that moment where we literally knock someone's head off. Okay, cool. Well, that's a zombie. It doesn't matter. So Max is now pissed at Danny because you embarrassed me in front of half of the guys at school. Get out of my life with your trick-or-treating and dump. So I rewound to watch the cackle posse. Apparently there are only 14 <laughs> guys at school because you have Jay, Ice, and five other boys. <laughs> half the guys at school. I mean, it's, it's good odds if you're looking for a date, but not much else. <laughs> and so Danny now wants to go home and like storms off. And Danny finds the worst possible place to have a cry. You mean a pile of straw surrounded by jack-o'-lanterns? Yes. I don't know about you, but I like to have good lighting where I cry. Yeah, I like spooky pumpkin faces around me as I weep for my relationship with my sibling. Yes, that is the where I like to do it. I just meant that straw is incredibly itchy. I'm definitely up for the ambiance when I have a nice cry. Spooky faces are a plus, absolutely, but I don't want to be itchy. It ruins my sad. (laughs) (laughs) Itchy ruins John's sad. (laughs) Oh, man, I got to get that on a dating profile. That might send a weird message on a dating profile. (laughs) I know. I just want to see what the response would be. So Max comes over to apologize. He's like, look, I just hate it here. I want to go back to L.A. Look, I'm being a little moody. I'm sorry. I like that he owns it. He owns it. And then rightfully, Danny's like, yeah, well, this is your home now. Get used to it. She's a badass. Hands down my favorite character in this movie, even more than the witches. Oh, the witches started a solid five. You've got Danny. You got the bullies. And then a couple I haven't decided on. (laughs) Oh, the zombie. Zombie's number four. Zombies number four. Um, Yeah, and then we start with the witches. Sweet. Pulled that out of my ass and it worked. (laughs) (laughs) That a nickel. For everything I pulled out of my ass, you'd have 15 cents. (laughs) Which was also pulled out of your ass. And that is what we refer to as the infinite money trick. (laughs) (laughs) So Max asked Danny to give him another chance. She's like, why should I? Because I'm your brother. And she turns into her own goddamn cackle posse because she fucking (laughs) laughs at this. She's great. So my question to you guys, in light of what we've seen in the previous scene and this scene, does the director know what makes human beings laugh? I've got a funny (laughs) feeling he doesn't. I think Kenny Ortega might be an alien that doesn't understand human humor and humor responses. Agreement, fellow meat-based organism. So Max and Danny realize they're in front of a fancy house. They decide to check it out. And instead of doing, you know, the traditional thing uh, by yelling trick or treat on the porch, they just walk in. As one does. As one does. So they notice that there's this giant bowl of candy. Score. Yeah. Uh, But they also realize they've stumbled into a colonial eyes wide shut party. (laughs) Seriously. What the fuck is this party? It's Allison's parents. Um... Colonial, yeah, colonial fuck party. Yeah, that's really what, oh my God. How amazing would it have been? Because they got a spread. It's not just a candy bowl. There's plates of, you know, hors d'oeuvres and snacks. And what if there was just a bowl of keys? (laughs) I was going to say is once the candy's gone, they they toss the keys in there. (laughs) 
Right, because Allison's job is to handle the trick-or-treaters. So trick-or-treating's kind of over. It's getting later. Bowl's empty. Yeah, that all fits. Also, this sequence has the craziest fucking extras. If you look into the room that's to their right as they enter, there's just this like one guy going around in an almost dance-like motion, just shaking everybody's hand. It's crazy. (laughs) And, you know, we see this when they first walk in. We have the rest of the scene. And as they're about to leave, we get a good look in that room again. There's still fucking handshaking going on. (laughs) It's so fucking crazy. (laughs) So this is the guy, like he, he's kind of running the orgy. He's, he's there to greet everyone and make sure everybody's comfortable, clearly. Exactly. Exactly. But this is when Allison appears wearing a Martha Washington dress. Obviously, Max is smitten. We've established this. He comes down to talk to them. Tino tells him that, that, that her parents do this party every year, which is, you know, kind of kinky. Uh, also, it's super boring because they don't, they don't let her... Get in on the fucking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're too young. Two more years. So she's on candy duty because she can't do the fuck stuff. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then, this is fucking crazy. These lines. <laughs> Out of Danny's mouth. Yes, I'm, 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 I am giddy with excitement. I don't want to be the one to say it, though. She tells Danny that she likes Danny's costume. Danny replies that she likes Allison's, but I couldn't pull it off because... You know, as Max refers to them, she doesn't have yabos like she has. And I agree, Danny, you do not have the requisite Australian rednecks to wear a colonial dress like that. Oh, it's a boob. It's talk- She's talking about boobs. Well, she is talking about the boobs, yes. But like, what in the history of anything have they been called that? Occasionally. Certain TV shows. Okay, maybe back in 1872, which is when the writers were born, but <laughs> not in this fucking century. But then she won't let this word drop because Max really likes your yabos. Yes! <laughs> oh my God. She's like, by the way, my bro is, thinks you got some rockin' tits, and she's charmed by that, does not react to that at all. He spanks it into his pillow and calls it your name. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps trying to get her to shut up. He keeps trying to like nudge her and give her looks and stuff. But because Danny is a Viking, she just keeps on going and starts <laughs> so we're talking about boobs, guys. Come on. Yeah, you got a rock and rack, Allison. My bro is into it, and I'm nine, so I don't have a rock and rack. So Allison and Danny start talking about the Sanderson sisters, and apparently Allison's mom ran a museum dedicated to them in their old house, but it closed because spooky stuff was happening. And then Max, for horniness reasons, suggests they go there. Come on, Allison, make a believer out of me. So Allison's game, she's just gonna go get changed, and while she's getting changed, Danny's like, dude, what the fuck, just take her to a movie like a normal person. This is stupid. Seriously? Also, while chowing down on a chocolate witch on a stick, which was great. Chocolate witch on a stick is a great band name. Is it? (laughs) It's it's a decent band name. I don't know about it. Yeah. Not the greatest of all time. Like they're they're never gonna do anything more than like open for a bigger band, but you've heard of them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So Max like begs, like, please just go along with it. This chick's so hot, I wanna like date her, I'll do anything. And she's like, Cool, 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 cool. Uh so next year we're gonna do a couple's costume. Uh I'm gonna be Wendy and you're gonna be Peter Pan, and you're gonna wear the fucking tights. I actually noted that she says Wendy and Peter Pan with the tights, but does not specify who's gonna be which character. <laughs> That is very true. Max might be Wendy. As we know, only manly men wear tights. (laughs) Right, so that disqualifies Max. 
look, let's be honest. Danny wears the tights in this sibling relationship. <laughs> Again, my favorite character in the movie. Danny's just a stone badass. That's all there is to it. Anyone who's seen the show Norseman, Danny is basically going to grow up to be Freya. If you know, you know. So Max, Danny, and Allison headed up into a boarded up Sanderson house like way too easily. Like there's just no locks apparently at this fucking place. Well, it's the museum. The Sanderson house has become the museum of this local folklore. There's like a candy stand and gift shops, but I guess it hasn't been open for years because there's cobwebs all over the fucking place. Right, but they just opened the door. You know, even museums, this might surprise you, John, they have locks on the doors. Well, yeah, to keep everything escaping during the nighttime. Exactly. We all know this. Ben Stiller had a whole thing going on. So Allison's looking for a light, and then Max finds hundreds of dollars of fucking Zippo lighters just left there. The mother wasn't like, okay, well, we're shutting down the museum. I'm going to take the stock of Zippos and maybe go sell them somewhere else. And I don't think the filmmakers knew this, but the fuel in there, it runs out. Okay, as a Zippo owner, this drove me up the fucking wall because, first of all, they don't come filled for that very reason because the fuel evaporates after a few days, to, you know, depending on how much you fill it up. It comes empty, it comes dry. Yes! So he would have to take it out out, open it up, fill it up with fuel, and then it would work. Yes! And not only that, people who like flick on their Zippo lighter and try to use it as a lantern, that shit gets hot. Within a minute, you are going to close it because it's too hot <laughs> for your fucking fingers. Like, that like, drove me up the wall. It's really useful if it's really dark and like you gotta place a key, but that's about it. You're not exploring a place with a lighter. Right. <laughs> The fact that Nick is a Zippo owner makes this note even better is because my note is this haunted house is brought to you by Zippo lighters. Zippo, for all you stupid virgins. I have had Zippos and we, we already established my virginhood early on. So, yeah. See, oh, that's why you're a vir because you were grandfathered in by the Zippos. Perpetual Zippo virginity. Got it. So if you buy a Zippo, does that make you like a born-again virgin or something? Exactly. I'm going to go reclaim it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Allison gets the light on. And she shows them the book, which says that it was given to Winnie by the devil himself, covered in human skin and contains her most evil spells. Mm. And through the window, we see that uh, a black cat is back. Racist. <laughs> Some of my best friends are black cats. Yeah. I've been to a black cat wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cackle Posse. <laughs> uh, so Max takes a look at a black, the black flame candle, uh, this very ornate candle that's supposedly made. Also racist. Not everything. They're not mentioning. Some of my friends are flaming blacks as well. <laughs> And that is when John went to hell. This isn't a clan thing, but it is homophobic and racist. There we go. Got to get all the bigotry in there. So, yeah, uh, the black flame candle, it's made from the fat of a hanged man, and it will summon the spirits of the dead uh, if it lit by a virgin on a full moon. So the rules are not the same here because first it's like, oh, it's got to be on a full moon on All Hallows' Eve. And this candle is out in the open. When this was a museum, you know that some dumb teenagers were trying to fucking light this thing again and again and again. Especially with ready-filled Zippos right next to it. Exactly. 
how could they help but do it? See, that was the problem. All these other teenagers are far too promiscuous. There we go. Way too much fucking going on amongst the teens of Salem. Yeah, unlike our pure, restrained L.A. culture. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing that L.A. is known for, it's chastity. It's purity culture, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So he's like, look, I'm going to light the candle and bullshit. Zero teenage boys will readily or even eagerly admit that they are virgins. That is such horseshit. He lights the thing despite Danny yelling no. I'm surprised she just didn't call him a virgin again right there. She's like, no, virgin, don't do it. No, virgin, that's a bad virgin. Bad virgin turnip. (laughs) Also, the the wind picks up and we all know what that means. And that's... Goes of the traveler has arrived and they need to choose and perish. <laughs> yeah, I was just waiting for the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man to start walking through fucking Salem. Yeah, it wouldn't be Stay Puff. That's when the fuck pillow starts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so the eerie yellow green light through the floorboards and the shaking stops. And so the sisters burst through the door. Allison and Danny hide. And because Max was standing right in front of the fucking door, they saw him. And this movie took a very different turn. Right? Oh, wait. We forgot that. They're fucking blind. I mean, you don't even need to roll a nat 20 on your stealth check with these sisters. You just got to get, you know, like a 10. You just need to not roll a one. Exactly. We are totally not virgins in this group. (laughs) (laughs) Look, only the most studly of like people who definitely have sex play Dungeons and Dragons. That's science. Uh, They know they come in and they fawn over their old stuff, including the book. However, Mary smells children, and that's where Winnie says, sick him. So they find Danny who's hiding behind the counter. Who is as chill as could be. Oh, she tries to bullshit her way out of this in the most brilliant way possible. She's like, sisters, I'm glad you came. I have summoned you. (laughs) And treats the whole thing super cash and then is just like, well, best be going now. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I I forgot to say this, but, you know, right before he lights the candle, Max says, you know, it's all just a bunch of the title of this movie. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, And then basically they get a what year is this? Because they're kind of like very casually guiding Danny to a chair. You've seen this chair before. The sacrifice chair. Yeah. And it's 1993. So it's, yes, time flies when you are dead. (laughs) yep they get their own little cackle posse going there again the director does not know when humans laugh Mm -hmm. so danny's like oh i'd I'd hate to stay you know gotta go but no they'd like her to stay for dinner because we're gonna eat you that's the uh that's the point here and so they try to put her in an empty cauldron to cook her i mean there is a fire underneath it because when they come back like all the fireplaces roar again and all the candles turn themselves on which was weird because they're electric candles yeah but they exploded and then they became and then became actual candles that burn wax magic codswallop if you ask me nothing but a load of hogwash you are indeed correct keeper of keys But yeah, so try to put her in an empty cauldron. Like, put put some fucking water in there. Put some spices. Put some vegetables. Like, make a proper fucking kid stew if you're going to do this. Jesus. This was culinarily frustrating. <laughs> so Max jumps out and immediately gets force lightninged. Allison takes out Mary with a frying pan. Frying pan, the secret weapon of all movies with a PG rating. 
There you go. It's acceptable violence. Damn right. So Danny whacks Winnie with a bag of candy and this kind of releases Max. Yeah. Danny can take out people who can force lightning at will, but is relying on shitty turnip to protect her from the world's worst bullies. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. She could have taken those guys out. She believes in the turnip. You gotta believe in the turnip. I mean, you you gotta get the turnip to believe in itself. That's the real <laughs> journey. Uh, and then Thackeray cat attacks. Allison and Danny flee. But instead of joining them, Max has to stay and do a bit. Yeah, why is Max being a moron? Because uh, teenager? <laughs> Because <laughs> teenager, okay. Yeah, so he goes up onto the second floor and he's like, I'm going to rain the burning rain of death on you. And they're like, what? And because he flicks the Zippo on the fire sprinklers, they immediately panic thinking that it's actually going to be burning rain of death. Well, what else could it be? The youth conjures fire within his hand. Which the person who can shoot fucking lightning is seriously impressed by. Well, I mean, they weren't expecting some random kid in 1993 to know how to do this stuff, especially a boy. Fair enough. Yeah, so he slips and like falls onto the ground floor, and that's when Thackeray Cat jumps on him and tells him to get the spell book. And that's when the sisters realize they've been tricked. It's just water. And Mary's, like, dabbing herself with it. She's like, it's so refreshing. Yeah, but then Sarah is just, like, like excitedly mouth-opening. Like, I've seen this part of the porno. Like, it comes towards the end, so to speak. <laughs> the only way to make this... Well, no, there isn't a way to make this not pornographic, to be honest. I was going to reference, like, the catching snowflakes on your tongue, but you don't lap at them. No, 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 no. So they exit the house, but they get spooked by fire engine sirens and they run away. <laughs> Humor. Cackle posse. The fans of this movie are definitely a cackle posse. So Thackeray Cat takes Max, Danny, and Allison to a graveyard because it's hallowed ground and uh, witches can't walk there. Decides to take them to a grave of a guy called Billy Butcher, uh, who was Winnie's lover, but he was fucking around with Sarah, so she poisoned him and sewed his mouth shut so he wouldn't tell her secrets, even in death. And, I mean, I know you need to, like, set things up for later in the movie, but fucking hell, this was ham-fisted. We got the movie cliche, so the legends are true. I just like that it took that long. You literally resurrected witches who shot you with lightning and telekinetically threw you around their old cabin. <laughs> I mean, they clearly didn't shock out all the skepticism. Uh, if she's still a little in there. Just, just for a point of clarity, this tombstone is for William Butcherson, and Billy Butcher is Carl Urban on The Boys. Let's not get them confused, please. <laughs> okay, God, yeah. I, I, I find The Boys so much more entertaining, and that's probably why my brain goes there. So back at the Sanderson house, we see that Salem Fire Department has sent their finest 12-year-olds to investigate the alarm. <laughs> They're younger than the students at school. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They can't be older than 19, like, actually. And like, look, I get there's rookies, but you don't just send two rookies to go investigate something. Like, there's going to be, like, one or two experienced guys. The experienced guys are all at the colonial orgy. Yeah, they're getting their eyes wide shut right there. That's right. So Witty's like, oh, yeah, well, they're obviously uh, witch hunters. Look at them in their black robes and their axes for chopping down wood to burn us. I actually really loved that. It was a fun point. Yeah. But then it's kind of undermined by like, ooh, spider. Yum, 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 yum. Like Sarah just eating spiders. God damn it, Sarah. 
fucking hell, Sarah. <laughs> so after the firemen leave, Winnie explains that if they don't get the spell book and brew the potion they made the night they were hanged, they're going to die at daybreak. Thank you, movie, for establishing stakes. I appreciate that. They forgot that they had established stakes later and they try to add more for no random reason. <laughs> Back at the cemetery, Thackeray Cat explains that it's his fault his sister was killed. And no, dude, your sister went off with strangers into the woods. It's kind of kind of her fault. How dare you be asleep before dawn breaks? But it's also a half hour till midnight, so... Don't think about it. Uh... <laughs> So he was originally waiting to die to be reunited with his family, but realized he couldn't die. Quick question about talking Thackeray cat. That cat? That cat? That cat. That cat. Yeah, I like that cat. Um, quick question about talking that cat. I'm watching on DVD quality. How well did he hold up for you guys? Actually, not too bad, considering. I mean, the force lightning is terrible. But considering it was so early CGI, I thought I thought he was okay. Yeah, he was fine. And I think having him be a black cat at night really helped. Yeah, I think that very much helped with shadows and things like that. So yeah, Fat Cat decides that uh, he's at some point decided he was going to use his eternal life to keep virgins away from a candle. That seems like a great existence. Yeah, it's better than my job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining a wacky morning radio show, Fat Cat and the Turnip. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Cat and Turnip, WA Port 9. A little bit later, we're going to have the Cackle Posse coming in. <laughs> Cackle Posse. <laughs> <laughs> Toilet flush sound effect. <laughs> now I want a soundboard where all the sound effects are just saying what the sound effect should be. <laughs> Ecstatic air horn. Oh, so yeah, so he he explains that the uh, the sisters need the book to do the spell to do the thing, and so Max is like, "Cool, I'm gonna burn it." Doesn't even have to think about it. Like, has great instincts. Burn it. Take out my Zippo that definitely still has lighter fluid in it. Movie accurately represents pyromaniac teenager as well. Yeah. But he can't burn this spell book because it is protected by magic. Can we at least gouge out the fucking eye then? This thing is creepy. Put an eye patch on it at least. <laughs> <laughs> an eye patch on the book. A little pirate book. <laughs> I'm just picturing it and it's marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> so the sisters show up on brooms and because here's the loophole. They can fly above the cemetery because they're not on hallow ground hovering above it right so they can still just totally attack these kids and steal the book back yeah but they don't and also winnie literally was not alive to hear max say you know it's all a bunch of hocus pocus because she very deridingly cackles it's all just a bunch of hocus pocus there's no fucking way you could have heard him say that she later references things that she should have no knowledge of. Yeah, the writers forgot what was going on in their own movie. Many times. Well, that happens when you're 90. So the witches spread out to like attack different groups, and Sarah is apparently easily defeated by Allison with a leafy twig. It's <laughs> like lightly brush of the leafy twig. She's like, ow, I'm going to fly up and away now. The new secret weapon for PG movies. <laughs> yeah, leafy twigs. <laughs> The lighter and more fragile your weapon, the more effective it is. <laughs> also, the leafy twig sounds like a pub name, now that I think about it. 
Not a few pints in the leafy twig. It's the promotional poster for Cackle Posse, now <laughs> opening at the leafy twig. <laughs> oh my god, this movie became amazing. Just not anything actually from the movie. This very bland movie is inspiring greatness. They're also opened by the band Chocolate Witch on a Stick. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, Cackle Posse's headlining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ch- Chocolate Witch on a Stick. This is the biggest venue they've ever played. They're very excited about the opportunity. They've been having gigs at the Senior Center for the past couple of weeks, but yeah, they bumped up to the Leafy Twig. <laughs> I want that pub sign now. I want that. I want to hang it outside my door. Yeah, I want that hanging on my wall. I legitimately want that. Me too. We'll figure this out. So Winnie tries to summon the book, but Fat Cat jumps on it. And so because the sisters can't touch down onto the cemetery, Winnie decides to resurrect the ex-boyfriend she murdered because apparently he'll be helpful. Yeah, the person who cheated on you, so you murdered him for it, is totally going to be on your side. For me, the highlight of this movie is the physical comedy of this corpse. He does it so well. Oh, that's because Doug Jones is amazing. He really is. It's so good. Honestly, as much as I love Stephen Merchant, he would actually be my pick for someone to play Jules. (laughs) (laughs) Doug Jones would, I mean. Yeah. So Billy, like, comes out after she does her spell, and his reaction, he wakes up, he looks at his gravestone, and he's like, ah, oh, fuck. That's such a great reaction, yeah. It's like like me every time I have to, like, wake up early. It's like that. It's like, <laughs> you just look at your clock, and you're like, ugh. He's surprised to be conscious. He's not sure what's happened. Ah, oh, fuck, I died? <laughs> uh, and now I'm alive again? This, this is a pain in the ass. Seriously, his mouth's sewn shut. This just sucks, man. He's really the highlight of this movie. He's a great addition. And so, yeah, he, like, she's like, go get my spell book. And he's like, ah, like, fuck, like, waves his arms dismissively at her. I'm like, yeah, that's the correct reaction. Why do you go after the kids after this? I think he wants to help him. But since his mouth is sewn shut and he's, you know, new to moving again, he can't really get that point across. He's got to catch up to him and just be like, like pointing at his mouth and shit. Like, give me something to write with, little fucker. Come on. It's true. (laughs) And by the way, so she's like kind of like, oh, yeah, Billy, you go get my book and we'll we'll be ready for it. I'm like, hey, lady, if your life is on the line, I feel like you're a little more involved in this hunt. Like you're not (laughs) going to just like outsource this. Especially not to your ex-boyfriend who's been. Especially not to your ex-boyfriend who hates your guts that you murdered. Well, here's the thing. Reanimated murdered ex is on the case. And we got a potion to brew, so. It's true. Yeah. Which is weird because they really need the book to remember the ingredients to pull that off, so. Yeah, they're they're definitely cart before the horsing this. Yeah. I mean, we've been shown their brilliance on numerous occasions thus far. Uh, Oh, yes. Uh, It takes a very high degree of intelligence to sell your soul to the devil to be a witch. (laughs) Yeah, but you get Eldritch Blast. (laughs) She does get Eldritch Blast. That is the Force Lightning. So Max decapitates Billy by pulling a tree branch back and letting it go, and it kind of like whacks his head off. The power of the leafy twig. The power of the leafy twig. (laughs) This is a little heftier than a twig, but it's still leafy. The leafiness is what's really important. (laughs) Nothing says incapacitating powerhouse like leafiness. So they get into this fucking crypt and again with the goddamn Zippo, Max whips out his Zippo and is like, I'm going to use this as a lighter. My fingers aren't burning. Nope. 
So the sisters have caught up to Billy, who's like reattaching his head. And he's like, look, go get the kids. Go get the fucking kids. But he's like, fuck off. If this wasn't a Disney movie, he would have absolutely flipped him the bird. Oh, 5,000%. Multiple birds. He'd have done that like. Like the stars are like winding up his middle finger. The little trumpet player. And then you hold that long note, you know. <laughs> he'd do all of it and so frustrated that you know billy's failed and that they've gotten away you know when he says broom ho to fly away yeah yeah i'm pretty sure there's an inappropriate name for a maid service in there somewhere <laughs> and when he's like look we need to get as many children as possible so we can live super like longer when billy comes back with the book However, Mary's like, look, sisters, this is going to be a super stressful evening. Why don't we do a calming circle? I am calm! Come on, Winnie. That's not what it is. Let's see that smile. Okay, there's your smile. This means nothing. It's just a thing they're doing to pass time in the movie. But it cuts away before any calming circle shenanigans begin. They form up in their calming circle and it cuts away. But then we come back to them in the middle of the... Commie Circle, apparently their mother used to make them scorpion pie back in the day. It's New England. I've been to New England, and the people are scorpions. They are a brash bunch. So yeah, so in the middle of them doing their fucking scorpion pie comic circle. We are scorpion pie. <laughs> that is absolutely a metal band name. Um, yeah, a bus pulls up with an insanely pervy bus driver. Yeah. Good sir, what is this contraption? Is like, it's where you get on and I take you to your dreams. I would fuck all of you. Bubble, bubble, I'm in trouble. Yeah, and he lets them get on without paying any fare. Because it's ladies' night at the bus. <laughs> it's yeah. ladies' night on the Salem line. <laughs> It's the truck driver reward. You'll pay it in blowjobs. I don't think they invented blowjobs in the 1690s. Yeah, I think that was a... <laughs> he didn't say anything about 1690s. He said trucker rules. I like the idea that Nick has a firm finger on the history of blowjobs. Yes, it was invented by uh, Frenchman Henri de Coq. He was boiling a turnip at the time. <laughs> yes, in his lab. And he just stumbled across the blowjob. <laughs> As virgins, we must have great knowledge and, you know, very studious nature about all things. <laughs> no, we can't. We're stupid virgins, John. Come on. <laughs> While you were having sex, I was studying the way of the sex. <laughs> I know all about the sex. <laughs> I scored 100% on my theory exam. Yeah, the practical really got me hung up, though. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the crypt, uh, Billy is pursuing the kids and Thack Cat, and he's having a little trouble walking. He hasn't done it in a few centuries. So the kids and Thack Cat make it to a ladder that leads up to a manhole cover. And this is a very weirdly designed crypt, right? With sewer access, yes. Yeah, sewer access into not a sewer. I'm picturing the person at the uh, mortuary saying, so this is a prime crypt, and it... Uh, Comes with direct access to the sewer. <laughs> it has ventilation options. That way you don't get that oppressive stale air after a few decades. I mean, it really builds up. And also, if you live nearby, you can open up the manhole cover, go visit grandma. Yeah, 
Yeah, see, family friendly. There we go. So Max surfaces with Thack Cat, but Thack Cat gets run over by a bus that's being driven by Sarah Jessica Parker, who is sitting on the bus driver's lap, who definitely has a raging boner. My note here is, is that a broomstick in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? How could you put a broomstick in your pocket? It's a model. <laughs> <laughs> model <laughs> so yeah so danny and co come up and they have a sad over squished that cat but as jules mentioned in his his opener uh he reinflates himself <laughs> we have a self-inflating cat there's no blood he just inflates like a balloon yeah he didn't burst or anything yeah no guts it's good to know his immortality comes with secondary powers because i mean seriously if you couldn't die but could still be injured that would suck existentially terrifying important for every pg movie (laughs) so mary tells uh the bus driver and sarah to stop because she smells children they get out of the bus and are super duper confused by children running around trick-or-treating in costumes and mary thinks she's losing her powers because she can smell children but she can't see them where are the children that are definitely running around us at this present moment again just taking everything at face value Because child with shitty wings saying bless you obviously has the same effect that an actual angel would. Yeah, that a guy at a devil costume comes out and they're very excited because they think he's the actual devil. Now there's something interesting here. The guy, his name is Gary Marshall and his wife is Penny Marshall. And Penny Marshall was the director for the movie A League of Their Own. Mm -hmm. And they are brother and sister. Yep. And they play a married couple. Cool. It's creepy. They're acting. I know, but... But at least they're acting like they hate each other. When Seth MacFarlane and Rachel MacFarlane do voices together, oftentimes they're voicing characters that are fucking each other. Like, that's... That is creepy. So they're very excited. They want to go see their master. And the devil guy thinks that they're doing the Sanderson sisters as a costume. He's like, oh, the Sanderson sisters. I know you. Why don't you come on in? And they think that's because... The devil has recognized them. At this point, I don't think this movie knows how seeing works. (laughs) You keep up with lines like that, I will be a legitimate cackle posse. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, we've had the witches (laughs) mistaking these clearly children for hobgoblins. This guy mistakes these clearly middle-aged women for children. No. That is not how seeing works. No, that, 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 no, 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 no. That's not, that's not what happens at all. I thought he had a line like, um, you, ki- you know, you kids have changed a lot since I last saw you. Maybe like you girls, but like that's still... I've referred to you guys as children before. Doesn't mean I think that you're eight. You'd be far more badass, obviously, like Danny. (laughs) Apparently, I mean, if only I had the badassness of Danny, then I would be set in this world. Seriously. So the kids and Thack Cat see a cop on a motorcycle, and they straight up tell him that they resurrected the Sanderson sisters by lighting the black flame candle. And Danny is very keen to divulge that Max is a virgin. By the way, my brother does not fuck, officer. Just need you to know this. Right? The doxing of Max's virginity continues. 
and the cop's like, no, get the fuck out of here. Like, I, I put my life on the line. I don't fuck with me. Like, you know, you're get out of here with your stupid cat. And they take that as, oh, the cops don't believe us, which is like an important thread to close. But then we learn he's not a cop. Like his bimbo girlfriend comes out of a bar and is like, what happened? Ah, a bunch of kids were trying to play a prank on me. They thought I was a real cop. And like his outfit looks super fucking realistic. Yeah, this is not like a, a spirit Halloween cop outfit. He's got like even the motorcycle looks appropriate. It's not a cop out. <laughs> you know, Cackle Posse's showing up when I lean back really far. Hell yeah, it is. But yeah, no, like uh, I, I noted this too on like the subsequent watch through. It's like Salem police patches on the jacket, you know, and stuff like that. It, it looks very official. This rises to the level of like he gets arrested for impersonating a police officer. Yes. Well, anyways, while we try to find some focus and ability to talk about the movie itself and not the awesome shit that our brains come up with inspired by it, <laughs> we're going to take a break and then we will come back for the thrilling question mark conclusion of Hocus Pocus. Sisters, we keep falling for the tricks of that Max boy, and this simply will not do. I know, Winnie. Sorry, Winnie. Will not do, will not do, will not do, tra-la-la-la-la. Sarah, I swear to Master, I will sew your mouth shut like I did with that most inconsiderate William Butcherson fellow. Now, after the burning rain of death and the fake sunlight... We need to ensure we do not succumb to Max's trickery again. Have either of you any ideas as to what we might do? No, Winnie. Sorry, Winnie. Boys! <laughs> Why do I even bother? Did somebody say snake oil? N no, sir. No, we did not. Well, what you need to get over your case of the stupids is a bottle of grade-A genuine snake oil. We do? Snake oil, snake oil, slippery sloppy slew. That's right. This here snake oil is the real deal. It cures constipation, lacerations, agitations, hemorrhoids, femoroids, cheech and chongs, and the whistling dixies. And best of all, my snake oil is made from only the finest freshly squeezed snakes right here in the U.S. of A. Curious. I'm not sure where this U.S. of A. is located, but sounds exotic. That's right, Missy, it sure is. And this snake oil can even cure your sister's fucked up mouth. Hey, I don't have a fucked up- Yes, you do. Shut up, Mary. Yes, Winnie. Sorry, Winnie. Fucked up mouth, fucked up mouth. Nung, It can even get the obvious nympho here to shut her yap every once in a while. Oh, you so have made yourself a sale. How much do you require for this oil of snakes? Well, ma'am, I'm a firm believer in trying before you buy. Here's some samples for you fine ladies. Excellent, sir. We shall sample your wares. Sisters? Bottoms up. Yes, Winnie. Drinking snake oil now, Winnie. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Glug, 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 glug. <coughs> <coughs> Sisters, I believe we've been poisoned. <laughs> gonna die, gonna die. Oh, yes, Winnie. Dying right now, Winnie. 
oh man, I can't believe that worked. I mean, I can because those witches were incredibly stupid, but I probably didn't need to go through this whole snake oil salesman bit just to trick them. Anyways, good job, Max. You saved Halloween. Hmm. I wonder if that fuck party at Allison's is still going on. Go get my mask. Yes, brother. We shall fight and fucking feast till Ragnarok. <laughs> what the fuck? That's Danny. <laughs> and we're back so back at the devil's house the devil in big old fucking air quotes uh lets the sisters know that he's going to introduce him to the little woman but this woman is his shrew wife who has shit in her hair and they call her medusa he's like oh my gosh the master has married medusa yes this is my sister wife <laughs> While the sisters are inside, some kids dressed up as them find their brooms and just go for some joyrides. That was great. They're just like, sweet brooms. Again, that's what I thought was going on is because those kids were dressed up just like them. These two were expecting those kids. They mistook these witches for the kids. That's still a hell of a stretch. Back inside, Mary's discovered television and... The wife comes back downstairs. She's apparently lost five pounds. Uh, she knows this from the bathroom scale. I'm not going to ask how you lost five pounds based off of the order of events that have just transpired. Lots of P.F. Changs. <laughs> how spicy would you like your Chang sauce? Spicy enough for two Keurigs. <laughs> Obligatory South Park references. I wasn't sure if you get the reference with the P.F. Changs line or not. But yeah, it comes down because uh, while the wife was away, Sarah asked the master if she could dance with him. He's like, all right, that's it. Party's over. Get the fuck out. Does she call her a tart facer? Probably. It's just that's now going to be the title of my baking blog. <laughs> Welcome back to Tart Face. I'm Jules. Today we're going to make an angel food cake. In your face. Put in your face. <laughs> The <laughs> most aggressive baking show on the web. Exactly. <laughs> From my kitchen to your fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> and so when she's like, get out, Winnie's like, make us. And Medusa does not fucking blink. She sicks her Yorkshire Terrier on them. And apparently that is terrifying enough to get them to flee this house. Yeah, little ankle biters, man. And we just get clarity that that scene was absolutely pointless. Oh, yeah. It's filler. Adds nothing to the story. <laughs> As all good fillers should do. Yes. My note here is this scene of an unhappy marriage is brought to you by Clark Bars. Clark Bars. What the fuck are you? I've never heard of these before. I've never had one, but they at least were a thing. It's kind of the most boring name for a candy bar. It's Clark. It's a bar. Yeah. Like a, a Smith bar. A Jones bar. Hershey's bar was renamed after renamed after someone. Yeah, but that's a nice, that's a fun name. Yeah, it's an interesting name. Oh, I'm not standing up for Clark Bar. I'm just <laughs> saying it's not an odd convention. I would choose a cackle posse bar over a Clark Bar any day. Well, no shit. I'd rather have a scorpion pie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so outside they see that their brooms are gone and that they're hoofing it. So Jules, this scene now is trying to make the previous scene somehow worth it. Like we're just trying to retroactively make that scene purposeful because <laughs> through this interaction, Winnie realizes that that wasn't their master. That wasn't the real devil. And like, these are clearly kids. 
I mean, if these guys really know the devil, then they shouldn't have made that mistake. Uh, it's, it, yeah, completely filler so they can lose their brooms. Right, because as Winnie will quip later, you know, they've been to hell and it's rather nice because they've been dead for 300 years. Obviously, if you're a witch, yeah. you're going to hell. So you would think they would have hung out with Satan at some point. And apparently he looks like Gary Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> She also mentions that All Hallows' Eve is just a night of frolicking where children wear costumes and run amok. Yeah, and this is another point where Sarah just has one of her weird obsessive fits again. And that's when she gets three stooges in the stomach by Winnie. Winnie just... And the way Sarah Jessica Parker acts it is like she's in genuine pain. It, it looks like she got really badly hurt. That is not how good physical where you, you know, you laugh because of the how the pain is overdone or anything. She just looks like she was really badly hurt. Yeah, it's it's not a bonking of that like, ah, and then we move on. She's bent over in pain for the rest of the scene. Granted, it's not long, but still. Yeah. <laughs> it's either she's a really good actress or she kept fucking up the scene and the director told Bette Midler to hit her for real. Uh, director may not have been involved in that decision. Just saying. But as we can tell, this director knows funny. So it, it has to have been Sarah Jessica. He Parker. does know when humans make the laugh noise. <laughs> I'm an expert at the laugh. Yes. One humor, please. Bile? <laughs> so the kids go to the town hall to find their parents. And oh, God, I love this pun. Oh, my God. Don't give a fuck what John thinks about it. The dad is dressed up as a vampire and he's like, hey, dad, we got this issue. And he's like. I am not dead. I am dead, Kula. And I was like, I fucking love you, movie. Jesus. But what happens next is kind of creepy because he sees this girl who is presumably his son's girlfriend and he kisses her hand. Isn't that kind of creepy? Well, also calling her a very lovely blood donor. Yeah. I mean, he's just awkwardly in character as dad, Kula, I guess. Mm. Don't don't get fresh with your teenage son's girlfriend. Yeah. Just don't don't do that. Just don't. Just don't. Uh so Max tells his dad, like, look, there's something seriously wrong. And to this dad's credit, his child comes to him and says, I'm in a lot of trouble. And the dad, okay, what is it? Let's have a talk. Whatever it is, we'll sort it out. I was just like, that's a good dad. He sees Max. Something's wrong. Okay, what happened to your sister? No, she's fine. Okay, good. Cool. Let's go work out your problem then. Well done, sir. Amazing reaction. Daddy is bumped into her mother, who's dressed as Madonna. Yes, my eight-year-old child. You recognize the singer who was all about sex? and I mean, you clearly keep us up to date on your brother's spank habits, so <laughs> naturally. Like a stupid virgin. Hey! <laughs> Lighting candles for the very first time. <laughs> So Danny tells her mother what happened, you know, with the, the sisters and the this and the that. While she's holding Thack Cat, Thack Cat could at any time be like, hi, I'm a talking cat, and I'm going to say that everything she says is true. <laughs> but instead, he's just in normal cat mode where she's like, oh, yeah, mom, by the way, this cat totally fucking talks. 
oh, this is a crazy move. She's like, hey, so how much candy have you had tonight? And Danny's response is, I have not OD'd yet. Danny is amazing. She knows what a virgin is. She knows what her brother's doing with that pillow. She knows what drug overdoses are. Danny's the best. Danny is more street than all of Cackle Posse combined. Hell yeah. She's not just a Viking. She is a character from a Pulp Fiction movie. Oh, I love it. Yes. I love it. Yeah, I'm really sad at, n- at no point in this movie somebody had to revive Danny with an adrenaline shot. That was just... Because <laughs> she OD'd on candy. She's just snorting pixie sticks. Like. Her face is just like smothered in chocolate. She's just like convulsing on the floor. So the sisters arrive when he tells them to fan out, search the place. The band, they're singing, I put a spell on you, you're going to be mine. And it, like Winnie thinks that the lead singer is looking directly at her. And she clearly believes that Joseph Malone is an actual skeleton. Oh, yes, who is actually going to put a spell on her. Mm-hmm. That is. Mm-hmm. You know who else he put a spell on? Total fucking pro CJ in an episode of Baywatch. <laughs> oh, my God. There it is. <laughs> There's the Baywatch reference. He plays a championship ballroom dancer who has a falling out with his partner and recruits CJ <laughs> into the competition with him. But then they make up. And so she has to now make Hoff be her dance partner. Baywatch is the fucking best. You can try to hide in full skeleton makeup, but John will still find you. I will. I will find you, and I will drag you to that sunny California beach in slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) So Danny spots his sisters like, yo, Max, they're here. And so Max's reaction is to run on stage, take the microphone from Joseph Malone, He says to everyone, look, you're all in real danger. Your kids are in danger. And again, this is a town full of great parents. They're like, oh, shit, our kids might be in danger. Let's hear what this guy's got to say. He's like, the Sanderson sisters are back and they're going to try and like kill your children. And everyone's like, ah, this fucking jokester. He's trying to set up the upcoming band. Yes, because, you know, the spotlight falls on the sisters and they're playing like, oh, Max, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. And they burst into song. As one does. As one does. And this is great. It is. This is a fun moment. This movie is like generally blah. I had a good time with this. It has its moments and this is definitely one of them. Yes. The Nina Simone, the wonderful singing antagonist witch. It was very good. Mary and Sarah as backup singers and they have choreography. It's great. It's great. It's so great. And it's literally putting a spell on all the parents. Well done, movie. Billy the zombie shows up and chases the kids and fat cat out of the hall. And this is, okay, this is weird. So they duck into an alley, which is clearly the alley behind a seafood restaurant. Guys, let's say, hypothetically, the three of us start a seafood restaurant. We call it, I don't know, the Leafy Twig or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's already a pub. Sorry. There's two things I can guarantee you if we start a seafood restaurant. One. We will keep all of our stock out back. Two, no one will be able to smell children over the stench of our stock that we leave outside the restaurant. That is where I was waiting. Okay, good. I, we're aligned. And if we name our restaurant, it's going to be called Codswallop. <laughs> Damn right. Yes. I think Jules just won the episode. I'm okay with that. <laughs> 
yeah, they keep the fucking lobster tank in this goddamn alley. Anyone who's just walking by like, oh, well, oh, shit, I forgot to get dinner. Let me just grab one of those, put it in my bag. Like, yeah, you have livestock. It's literally livestock. And generally, you want to protect your stock. What do you do at the end of the night when you all go home? You just leave your lobsters out? (laughs) (laughs) Go take it for walks. Where's my spank pillow? I need to take the lobster for a walk. <laughs> oh my god. So this restaurant just is very casual about its lobsters. So the sisters catch up to them, so everyone hides. Uh and Mary can't smell children, only scrawd. They just keep their stock out back. So she says that, oh yeah, it tastes really good with like you know, breadcrumbs or olive oil or margarine, and margarine was not invented till the eighteen hundreds. Yep, there we go again. Yep, around the same time as the blowjob is when margarine was invented. I don't know. They were both invented in France. I don't want to speculate. So they leave. Allison accidentally opens a rusty oven in the alley. Not a euphemism. Not a euphemism. (laughs) And this rusty oven has given Allison an idea. So now we're at the high school. And for whatever fucking reason the movie needs them to be there, uh, the sisters have decided to visit the high school. Well... They're still after the book. Right, but why would they suspect the book is in the school? It calls to them with its eye. (laughs) Fucking apparently. (laughs) They do accurately call out schools as prisons for children, though, which I thought was nice. Yeah, accurate. So when they get inside, uh, Max gets sassy on the PA system. As one does. Welcome our contestants, the three sisters. He gets his sunglasses out at some point in between cuts. Of course he fucking would. Stupid virgin. Fat cat shows up in front of the sisters and they're like attack pattern Delta. They get into like their, they have this like thing that they do repeatedly in the movie where they get in a line and they like start walking in like a, to a beat. Which I like. It's, it's a weird comedic thing. And you know, you got the actors they've rehearsed together and all that. It just, there's three different tones to this movie. It just doesn't fit. (laughs) Everything about the way they move, the way they speak. It's, it's like from a different story. Kind of. Yeah. So they start bearing down on Fat Cat, but then because of massive attention deficit disorder, they get distracted by French language learning tapes. Yes, they do. Hoping to find out the origins of the blowjob and the... And margarine. (laughs) And margarine. Exactly. (laughs) But for some reason, they also believe that this beginner's guide to the French language are the kids that they're after? Because when they run into the walk-in kiln? Some schools have kilns. I I attended schools with kilns. Well, we had kilns, but they were small. It was a full room. It was like a crematorium in the library for some reason. Basically, yeah. I mean, I get why they followed the tape, because they'd never heard recorded voices, so they thought it has to be a person. Right, but as they run into the open door, they're like, gotcha! Like, it was the people they were hunting. So they come in, they find a boombox, and they get locked in and burned alive. Gleefully. Like, the children are gleeful. Our protagonists. Oh, yeah. Our protagonists. (laughs) But also, the cat. The cat's on Max's shoulders, and the cat is just looking very unmoved by the sight of people burning in front of him. (laughs) So, it's a cat. (laughs) Yeah. And we see outside that there's green smoke appearing out of the chimney. 
outside, the kids are super happy because they think they've won. They think they've defeated the witches and they stop in a park to frolic. Yeah, we just burned three women alive. Dance party. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I like to dance whenever I set someone on fire. It is your 4th of July tradition. No, that's November 5th. Yeah, but Thack Cat, he's got to think about his sister, like, in light of all this. Like, he's he missed her, and Max is like, bro, let it go. It was like 300 years ago. Wow. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's more because, like, Thack Cat was, like, bl- still blaming himself for her death, and he's like, you got to stop blaming yourself, you know, at some point. Hashtag never forget. <laughs> <laughs> so Thack Cat tells Max that he should keep an eye on his sister and treasure the relationship. Because you never know when she's going to have her spirit sucked from her body. So... Fat Cat is about to like you know wander into the night and go out and live the rest of eternity by himself, but they're like, "No, nah, man, get on in here. You're 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 a, you're a house cat now. You're a family pet." They continually treat him like he's a fucking cat. It's like really condescending. Yes, and you will be bequeathed through generations. That will be a thing. So they get home. Parents aren't there because Winnie's spells like you got to party till you die. Also, it's really nice that there's a little cutaway here at the moment, so you can see that they are in fact still partying. And so they go to Max's room where they give the cat fucking milk. God damn it. I had a feeling this would be a sticking point. Yeah, I I saw the cat just lapping out of a bowl and I was like, okay, cool. He needs some water and stuff. And then Janie's like, you're going to have all the fish and milk you can have. And I was like, God damn it. Yeah, so yeah, th- and this is where Danny has that moment of, oh yeah, we're going to take care of you, going to feed you fish and milk, you're going to die from an exploded stomach. <laughs> and that cat is like, you're trying to turn me into one of those lazy ass fat fucking house cats? And she's like, sure am. And I'm going to give you to my kids, and they're going to give you to their kids, and we are going to have a living heirloom. Yep. You're going to watch successive generations of our family die. Have fun with that. That's right. You thought you were hung up just over your sister. We're going to subject you to our lineage. Enjoy your immortality, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get mad because he's a cat. Uh, so Danny and Fat Cat cuddle up on the bed, and Max and Allison, they, they get a little cuddly themselves. Back at the school, the green smoke re-enters the flu? And then some very smoky Sanderson sisters emerge from the kiln. Yeah, they don't have, like, a lot of soot on them somehow. Yeah. The hair is disheveled. They clearly do their hair before they go back out because this is the only time it will look disheveled. And they speak a bit of French. Ha ha. So outside a freshly teepeed house, uh, Jay and Ice are bored. Yay! Back to the stars of the show. Yes. The spinoff we deserve. (laughs) Jay and Ice. We call it the Iceman Cometh. <laughs> well, they want to do some cometh thing because, like, one of them's like, "Hey, why don't we go uh, watch some girls undress through their windows?" But no, they can't go watch girls getting undressed. It's three a.m. and they've all gotten undressed, so that's not going to happen. So the sisters come up, and Mary starts smelling Ice's shoes, but there's no fucking way that there's any Max scent still on these, right? I'm pretty sure Ice doesn't wash most things. I would agree. Not in that hat. No. So it's not Max. So Winnie tells her sisters that, look, we're, okay, we're going to have to try and make this potion from memory. And so as they leave, like one of the ice or Jay or whatever, they're like, oh, why is it always the ugly chicks that stay out late? And they all turn around and Winnie's like, chicks? 
So cut to the Sanderson house where Jay and Ice are suspended in cages. Apparently the sisters have taken some time to tidy up. There's not nearly as much cobwebs and dust everywhere. They're like, you know, they're, they're getting settled back into their old place. And when he's trying to remember the recipe and there's this whole like back and forth with her and Mary and rhyming with shit that doesn't work. She does not know the recipe from heart. So they're, they're kind of fucked. And so... Very forlornly, Winnie goes to the window and says, Book, come home and make thyself known. Cut to the book just chilling next to a sleeping Max and Allison. I don't know about you guys, but if I had a book with a sentient fucking eyeball in my vicinity, I don't think I'm sleeping. Seriously, the fuck? Where's its eye patch? Put its eye patch back on. Put an eye patch, cover it. I don't know, turn it around. Just don't have zombie eyeball looking at you. What the fuck, kids? Come on. Jesus Christ. So Allison realizes that it's 5 a.m. Her parents are going to kill her, so she's got to get back. Oh, yeah, they're not at the spell party. They're not at the spell dance party. They're at the Eyes Wide Shut party. (laughs) So, yeah, they ponder Thack Cat's predicament, and uh, then Allison gets an idea. Hey, if Winnie used the book to put the curse on Thackeray, maybe there's something in there that can take it away. Uh, But Thack Cat told us not to. Well, hey, the witches are dead, so who gives a fuck? Stupid Pandora. I know, just diving right into that fucking box. So they open up and just a fucking pillar of light shoots out. Invisible light. Mm-hmm. It yeah because when we cut back to them the book is kind of bright but there's no like giant pillar as we have just seen. Well, no, I mean that they don't notice this visible only to the witches. I think is the implication. Yes, it's on the witch spectrum of light. <laughs> so the witches see the light, and so they don't have their brooms anymore. They're 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 you know child doppelgangers stole them, so they raid the janitor's closet, and so they fly off on a crappy modern broom and a, a shitty mop and a vacuum cleaner oh, i always loved this this was one of the few things i remember yeah it made me chuckle a little bit <laughs> this is just to doubly establish that them losing their brooms serve no purpose either because all they needed to was get any kind of equipment that they could ride on it didn't have to be these specific brooms i'm gonna quote my favorite movie not at any time only when it was funny it wasn't funny i don't know what you're quoting Leaving. (laughs) (laughs) And breaking your mic, too, apparently. (laughs) How dare you not know the incredibly intricate details of the same thing that I know the incredibly intricate details of. I know. I am the worst for not knowing these things. Back at the house, Allison learns that salt can protect them from the witch's magic. She's reading this out of the book, and it's glowing on their faces, so they they must have some awareness of of light from this book. Nope, they are too pure. They are not versed in the ways of evil and therefore cannot recognize the glow radiating directly into their faces. So Thack Cat jumps on the books and says, no, don't read that. It's like, we're trying to find a way to turn you back. He's like, nothing good can come from that book, so Except for defenses against the witch's magic? Yeah, see, kids, learning is not cool. Don't read. It's an important message. Books are for stupid virgins. (laughs) Communists. Books are for gross witches who are also communists. (laughs) That's the sequel we deserve. Stupid witches who are communists. Da, comrade Sarah. 
We will collectivize the working class with magic. Do we still get to eat babies? That's the question. <laughs> you do, but everyone gets an equal share of the baby food. If I corralled the babies, I get extra portions, all right? <laughs> Corral the babies. I like the idea of John with a sheepdog just sort of. With a sheepdog, yes, exactly, yes. And also a magical pig that's really good at hurting them for some reason. There you go. So Allison would like some salt for her walk home just to be safe. So Allison reads the container. She's like, hey, yeah, it protects from zombies, witches, and old boyfriends. And Max decides he's going to be smooth. And he's like, what about new boyfriends? This is the smoothest that Max has been in the entire movie. But I do have to undercut the moment a little bit because... What kitchen have you been in where salt is one of the most hidden items? <laughs> That's very true. It's in the back of the top shelf. Maybe it just means that the shaker is on the table. Like that's where they keep it in between refills. No, because you also use it for cooking and other stuff. It's a very prominently used item in the kitchen. It is. And I, and I think they clearly chose this uh, sort of cylinder where you could pour it out and spray it around because it looked a lot cooler than if you had, you know, a salt mill and just started like <laughs> that would have been amazing. No one would have been able to keep a straight face. <laughs> it was pretty hard to keep a straight face the way they use this as well, let's be honest. Because they, they don't just pour it out. There's a bit of a shake frenzy. <laughs> so they lean into kiss, but a noise upstairs uh, interrupts them. So they run to investigate. They think something's going on with Danny. Max pulls back the covers of his bed to see if Danny's there, but nope, it's Sarah. You know what makes the exact same shape under some blankets? An adult woman and a child. Completely indistinguishable. And then, yeah, uh, Mary and Winnie were hiding and come out of the closet with Danny because uh, they wanted to do it. They, they were doing a bit. So wait, their plan was to hide Sarah under the bed and the rest of them hide in the closet and they were just going to wait? Yeah, exactly. That's where I was just about to go because they get their book back and they kidnap a child so they don't have to corral the others. And they just hang around to jump scare Max? Yeah, literally the clock is ticking on their mortality, yeah. but they stopped to do a bit. They went to the same school of um, hiding as the sharks from Deep Blue Sea, just for no reason going into a room and falling asleep and waiting for the human to arrive. <laughs> that is a level yep. of intelligence way above anything these sisters have mustered up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> Hot take, the sharks of Deep Blue Sea are smarter than the witches at Hocus Pocus. That's... I don't think that's a very hot take, to be honest. I mean, among the Disney adults, they are fucking losing their <laughs> shit right now. <laughs> so, Winnie Kamehameha's fucking Max by opening the book. She just opens it up. It's like, bloop. It does a magical extendo boxing glove. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It's a ball of green force lightning. Yep. Uh, so, the witches fly off with Danny and the book. I loved this explosion. It makes no sense, but it was a great explosion. Yeah, it's something we just haven't touched on at all with this movie of just everything being practical in camera. Except for, you know, talking cat. Except for force lightning. No, that was practical. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so while the witches are flying back 
to the house, Sarah sings a song to lure the children of the town to her house like the Pied Piper. Yeah. Why didn't she do this before? Well, I mean, they didn't have the book. You need the book first before uh, you get the children. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, guys, pedos hate her because of this one simple trick. My God, just the the clickbaity article nature of the way you said that. <laughs> it was intentional. Ten amazing ways to lure children to your home. Number six will shock you. <laughs> <laughs> or no, 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 it's number six is genius. Sorry, sorry. So question, we've established that this is pretty fucking late, right? Maybe? Who knows in this movie? Again, yeah, the time dimension of this movie is really warped. But supposedly, if it's after 5 a.m., yeah, I don't care how unsupervised kids are, they're asleep at 5 a.m. They are ODing on candy with no parental supervision. I will accept that explanation. Back at the Sanderson house, Winnie is brewing more potion while Mary tortures the bullies in the cage. Yeah. They have very, very pronounced glycerin tears, just... Very static on their cheeks. Yeah. So Winnie, while she's making the the potion, she's like, oh, I'm going to be young and beautiful forever. But Danny calls her out being like, no, you're, you sold your soul. So you're going to be ugly no matter how young you are. You're going to be ugly for the rest of your life. And she's like, you're going to die first, kid. You're fucking going first. <laughs> My note to this is, well, of course she's going to die first. She's the closest. Right? <laughs> so true. <gasps> I'm just so amazed that Danny's not like, challenge accepted, bitch. <laughs> Breaks out the <laughs> Viking axe. <laughs> also, they have Fat Cat like in a cloth sack hanging from the mantle in front of a roaring. Jesus. That is fucked up. Oh my God. Just torturing a cat person. So they're about to force feed Danny some of the potion when Max bursts in. Uh, he tells them he's going to defeat them with daylight savings time, which is not <laughs> a tactic I was expecting. Yeah, he bursts in, says, prepare to die. And I don't think you're allowed to say that unless you're Inigo Montoya and they killed your father. At the least, like, you know, he gets royalties. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah he he claims he's going to be able to kill them with his knowledge of daylight savings time but that's just a construct of how we manage clocks the duration of nighttime in october would still be pretty much the same in salem no matter which year you're in i would think agreed but then we see this like bright light shining through the window and the witch is like, ah, the sun, I'm dying. Even though it's clearly a light lamp that's just been switched on, it's not a gradual change in, from yeah, night to day. Yeah, they also thought that sprinklers were the fiery rain of death. <laughs> And that costumes <laughs> meant those weren't children. We've established the witches are not particularly bright. So he frees Danny while they're all like, oh, I'm melting. And he knocks over the cauldron, empties it. And again, none of them get wet. None of them get scalded. They're right there. It's dumb. And he also saves Fat Cat from uh, being lightly toasted near a roaring fire. And then most importantly of all, he rescues his shoes. Yes, he leaves the bullies in the cages and he rescues his shoes. It's a very heroic move. So they leave and then Danny's like, no, I want to watch these bitches die. Yeah, no shit, because Danny's amazing. Danny's a fucking savage. He's the best. <laughs> 
Yeah, I want to watch them turn to dust, and then they realize that it's Allison with a car, just kind of like, get the fucking guys. She's like, oh, yeah, let's like it. <laughs> yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. So they drive away, and the sisters realize that, oh, damn, that rascally young man fooled us again. But there is enough potion left for one child. Now, despite the fact that they have two children literally in cages hanging from their ceiling, <laughs> despite the fact that there's a horde of entranced children bearing down on their fucking house, Winnie's like, no, I want that fucking kid who called me ugly. It was kind of funny, actually. You got me ugly. That's like a really nasty thing to say. Like, God, oh my God. It's just like, you know, I've been working on myself and, <laughs> you know, it's feeling good. And then she, she said those things. <laughs> yeah, but weirdly, Sarah has the priorities right. We have loads of other kids on the way. Yeah, we only need to steal one soul to live through tonight and then we can make more potion. We can kill her tomorrow. It doesn't fucking matter. But no, Winnie needs a climax to happen. So this is how we're doing it. This is where we get the line where, you know, I've always wanted to have children. I think I'll have one on toast. Oh. The way she says it was exactly the same way that you say, with a midnight race. <laughs> so that's actually what's going on now, despite the fact that it's probably 8 a.m. by this point. Cleaning supplies versus SUV in a midnight race. <laughs> yes, because Winnie flies up next to them and apparently she knows about driver's licenses and the concept of resisting arrest. Think she learned it from the horny bus driver? I'm going to teach you all the rules of the road. <laughs> That's right. But Max manages to smack her into a bush, just like, kapow, and she goes crashing in like one of the uh, speeder bike troopers from Return of the Jedi. So they arrive at the cemetery, and my family had this exact Ford Explorer. Like, we had this in green. I thought you were going to say gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, guys, if I die before you and you don't make sure there's a skull and crossbones on my tombstone, I'm going to be very disappointed. It's going to be a skull and crossbones uh, dildo. That, that's the best way we can do justice to your memory. In death, he had a jolly good rogering. <laughs> oh, God, that's good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they, they're attacked by Billy. Billy kind of goes for Max. Danny and Allison are a bit ahead. And he's like, no, go, go get to the thing. Get to the chopper. <laughs> and he's got this really shitty pocket knife. Yeah, this is probably a Swiss Army knife. And like, look, I have a Swiss Army knife. It's great for lots of things. Stabbing, probably not great. And then Doug Jones delivers some of the finest insults ever put to film. Oh my God, I love this so much. Yeah, because he takes the knife while it's, you know, kind of in both their hands at the same time. And he uses it to cut open the stitches in his mouth so he could finally fucking tell Winnie what he's always wanted to say. And I hope one of you two have written this down. Winch, trollop, you buck tooth, mop riding firefly from hell. Uh, I've waited centuries to say that. You've been dead, motherfucker. What do you mean? <laughs> Also, he's like, hey, can you not breathe on me? You're a festering corpse. Oh, yeah. Turnip's like, yeah, say whatever you want. Just not on me or something like that. <laughs> something to that effect. So they leave Winnie to go find the others. And Allison is about to attack Billy. But Max says, no, no, no. He's a good zombie. He, he's our pal. And they're just like, oh, OK. 
Yeah, Danny takes an immediate liking to Billy. She's like, hey, Billy, what's up? I'm Danny. Yeah. She's got no fear. Viking baby and zombie. This it's it's the sitcom we've been waiting for. <laughs> yes. Cue Norse music here. <laughs> a zombie single dad and his his daughter who's a Viking. It it just it writes itself. You know, they live together on a Norse longbow, but they're kind of like a mismatch. There you go. It really does work. So what they do is they start preparing for the witches to come. Uh, what they do is they put Danny in an open grave. The appropriate place for children, yes. Exactly. There's no safer place for a child than six feet under. Throughout this, Billy's head has been repeatedly chopped off and rolled away. And the movie doesn't make a pun about him losing his head. And I will give the movie credit for that. Thank you, movie. Thank you. And I'm taking points away for it not lowering itself <laughs> to that level. That would have been great. I would have enjoyed that because I love puns. So the witches arrive uh, and apparently Winnie is strong enough to stop Max, who takes a full swing at her with a baseball bat. She just like holds her hand out and grabs it. Also, where the fuck is this baseball bat from? The car? This is America. There are baseball bats everywhere. Oh, no. He had a duffel bag. Okay, okay, okay. So, Baseball Bad X Machina brought to you by Nike. Nike, kill your enemies. <laughs> yeah, he had a duffel bag so that they could bring the single canister of salt and a baseball bat. So, Allison, in the middle of this, like, scuffle, chucks salt at Sarah. That's the only shot she's got. Yeah, but it, like, knocks her away. Salt is insanely effective. Yes. So, yeah, she, like, almost doubles back on herself. Then, Winnie tries to blast Danny, but it fails, obviously, because of the the salt protection, uh, and then just kicks Billy's head off. And then, because Danny goes from being a badass to kind of an idiot, because she leaves the protection of the salt circle to help Billy get his head back. Yep. So she gets snatched by Winnie, who tries to force feed her the potion, and that's when Thack Cat jumps on the broom and causes her to drop the vial. Thack Cat gets smacked onto a rock. Uh, he's he's cat down. But he's immortal, so he in- instantly comes back to life, right? Yeah. Yes, of course. Of course. Given the rules that the movie has established throughout, that is definitely what happened. Not the movie's going to take that back for reasons. Right. <laughs> Right. Definitely not a thing that's going to happen. Nope, nope. Nope. So Max catches the vial and instead of immediately smashing it or pouring it out, he waits long enough to get into a Mexican standoff with Winnie, who's holding her sister, his sister hostage now. He threatens to smash it. If you smash it, she dies. And he resolves this by just drinking it. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. If, if you want to take someone, take me. Which again how is this a problem for them but they're not gonna kill the child they want mm. you only need to live through sun up brew some more fucking potion and then kill the child you want to it's not like you get a prize for killing the right child yeah it's not like daddy's worth more points in the game of child murder i mean she should be because she's a stone cold badass but you know i like the idea of satan having a prize award ceremony okay best child death goes to winnie <laughs> so winnie grabs max and flies up with him to suck his cotton candy out uh, so his cotton candy's a little yellowish he's got a he's got a little spice on his but he's trying to knock her off the broom so she falls onto hallowed ground uh meanwhile mary tries to fly over to help her but danny allison and billy grab the power cord on her vacuum cleaner and so she's just kind of like stuck <laughs> i love that but Winnie falls onto hollow ground and nothing happens? 
And my only caveat is that they mentioned how they can't set foot on hollow ground and she is lying prone. She's not on foot is my point. She gets by on a technicality. No, but that she gets onto her feet. Exactly. And turns into a statue. Yes. She turns into a statue after grabbing Billy. So Billy has to like tear his shirt to get out of the statue Winnie's grasp. Sarah and Mary are like flown away at this point because when Sarah went over to help Mary, uh, the other three let go of the power cords. So Mary flew right into Sarah and they just kind of like flew off a bit. And yeah, the sun comes up and they all explode into pixie dust. Danny and Max reunite and she says to him, I love you, jerk face. And that's uh, about as much as I can can convey. So uh, I identify with Danny a lot more. Billy gets back into his grave for nap time. (laughs) Apparently, he's just like, oh, God, that's that was a fucking long ass night. I'm going to I'm going to go sleep that off in the ground. (laughs) Yeah, another couple decades. Sure. Yeah. Dig me up when September ends. Wow. Wow. So the question is, whose hit single is that? Oh, that's Chocolate Witch on a Stick. Yeah, Chocolate Witch on a Stick. That's their song. Uh, So Danny goes over to the cat and is like, what? You can't die. What the fuck is this? This is a massive fucking plot hole in the movie we're in. (laughs) Me crying over this dead cat isn't about the dead cat. It's about this serious lapse in writing. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. But then, however, we see Ghost Thackeray. He's back in his human form. He's a, he's a force ghost. Yoda pops up next to him. Obi Wan. It becomes a whole thing. And, and I'm Hayden Christensen. Christensen. Oh my god. The movie now tries to fucking explain what happened, even though it did not establish this at all. It's like, oh fuck, we need a reason for this. Uh yeah, so when you killed the witches, it freed my soul. Good job, guys. Yay. And then his sister shows up calling for him as if he was a lost pet. As if he was a lost pet. Thackeray. Thackeray beings. Where are you? Um, so yeah, she's like, takes him and they're walking out of the gate of the cemetery, which just opens itself because why not? He's like, hey, Thackeray, what took you so long? Well, I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. Seriously, the last lines of the movie, they can't help but virgin shame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the gate magically closes behind them and they're off presumably to heaven. And I'm sorry, this is Star Wars music, right? (laughs) Maybe. The way it's ending, this totally sounds like Star Wars music. It's just really ready for it to fade into. It sounds so much like it's going to lead into that anthem. (laughs) If only it did, it would have made this so much better. So now, finally, the adults are leaving the party at the town hall. I guess with the witches being dead, the curse is broken. They don't have to party to death. And now because the bullies are still in the cages, they've now been reduced to singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Yes, and they're doing it as it should be sung in a round. Yep. Uh, And then we have the books I open. We have a freeze frame and Bette Midler sings us out. Yeah, as we stare into the human skin books I Yeah, don't worry, kids. You don't need to get any sleep tonight. God damn. I miss whimsical children's movies. Uh, Well, anyways, that was Hocus Pocus. But before we go as millennials, we know that every movie and TV show has a moral, even apparently this one. Uh, So, Jules, what did you learn today? 
Well, that there are virgins in Hollywood. <laughs> and John, how about you? Just that life is empty without your own cackle posse. Amen. <laughs> it, Amen. It is. Uh, and I learned that uh, you shouldn't follow goth Sarah Jessica Parker into the woods no matter how hot she is. Important lesson, kids. Yes. Stay away from Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> and before we go, we, of course, need to tell you what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? We are finally going to slip back into some wonderful children's television and don the superhero tides to the mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And do you have a, a review to get us in the mood for some Zords? Okay, I particularly love this review because it was hidden behind spoiler warning tags. And I really need you to consider that for the info that I'm about to dump on you here. I would also like you to bear in mind that as written, this is only two sentences. Okay. Let's see if I can even get through this. Jesus. That of leader Jason, spirited Trini, gymnast Kimberly, nerdy Billy, hip Zach, as they were just ordinary teens, but that over in Rita Repulsa, the original antagonist, as mentor Zordon and Alpha 5 wanted teens with attitudes. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Oh, I'm only halfway there. I'm only halfway done. <laughs> At first, they are reluctant, but now since Rita is dangerous and how they recognize they need to be the heroes they were meant to be and really began the new sort of franchise and how that is a show that never ages. (laughs) (laughs) Is this written by a 10-year-old from France trying to learn English? This was written by a fucking adult alien trying to pass off as human. Holy fuck. (laughs) And remember, warning, spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) And that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. Or whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Links to all of that are in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind. Stupid virgin. (laughs) 